What's going on, fellow A-plusters? It is I, your host, as always, Adam Perez, back once again with a brand new episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, television, and movie news, streaming live for you guys over on our YouTube page. You can also catch us live over on Facebook today, as well as Twitch for you gamers out there. And of course, uh, towards the end of this uh, episode or later on today or first thing tomorrow, we will be dropping this episode for you guys over on Spotify if you like your audio versions of of the show or wherever you certainly listen to your audio podcast. So definitely go ahead and check us out over there as well. Um, but happy Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. It's fantastic to see everybody here as we wrap up your weekend. Uh, we got a pretty big show, if you ask me. I think we got some great topics that we're going to be diving into. Of course, we're going to be getting into some honorable mentions. We got our six topics and, of course, your live viewer questions. And, of course, we're definitely joined today by our special guest, James Bathia Jr. He is, in fact, a writer and producer as well. Um, so it's going to be really fantastic to kind of get his perspective on really all the strikes that are certainly happening right now with the SAG after strike that just happened this week, along with the WGA strike um, and then a couple other topics that we're going to be diving into today as well. So it should be pretty fun. Um, but in the meantime, we do have our round table of nerds here. Good old Indy Uchiha, as well as Stuart Branscombe joining us. What's going on, fellas? How's everybody doing today, man? It's early. <laughs> it's early. What, what time is it where you're at, man? It's noon. You just wake up like five minutes ago? Yes. <laughs> He's like, I just threw on my pajamas. <laughs> you're probably still in your boxers over there. It's okay. What about you, uh, Stuart? How you doing, man? Oh, I think you're muted. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing really good. Uh, real busy week at work, but this is like the perfect way to uh, end that week. Uh, this is the perfect way to start my weekend, basically. Sundays and Mondays are my weekend, so this is always like the perfect way to uh, start that weekend. So and especially excited that we have a writer here for today uh, to talk about the the strike going on, uh, getting that whole uh, another perspective. So it's going to be it's going to be a good show. Yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, we've been following it over the past several weeks or months since it happened back in May for the writers. Um, and we've been trying to see how all the, you know, everything was going to fall when you had the directors, I think, trying to come up to an agreement. And then we were expecting the Actors uh, Guild to go ahead and come up with some sort of agreement as well. Um, and uh, now you see the state of Hollywood right now. It's kind of been, uh, been upheaval a little bit. So uh, it should be interesting to see how um, everything goes in the next couple of of weeks, months, uh, towards the end of the year when it comes to these strikes. But um, considering the fact that we have been talking about it the past couple of months, I was just like, you know, it, it's about time that we actually bring somebody in that um, knows a little bit more about it than we certainly do. So should certainly be a fun episode. Uh, let's get some uh, shout outs here to some people that are in the live chat today. We got um, Enrique Perez certainly in the house. What's up, Enrique? He says uh, San Diego Comic-Con is just days away and also Deadpool 3 had to stop production because of the writer's strike and they might move production to another location plus saw the Blue Beetle trailer yeah we'll definitely be getting into all of that for you today Enrique we also got Datila in the house as well. Uh, and of course, listen, guys, if you're in the live chat, if you're watching this live, wherever you're watching it from, hit that like button. It definitely does go certainly a long way. Uh, if you want to share these videos, definitely please go ahead and do so. We only continue to grow because of you guys. So thank you very much for you guys continuing to come through each and every week. Um, but guys, let's get into some honorable mentions, shall we? Let's go ahead and kick off this show today, man. Um, do you guys have any honorable mentions you guys want to bring up first at all? In fact, I should probably get my honorable mentions ready too. Uh, what you guys got? Uh, come to be last because I got to get a uh, photo for this one. 
Um, you got anything um, over there, um, uh, Indy? Uh, nothing other than honestly in uh, trying to get the people, letting you guys know Bleach and Jujutsu Kaisen is back. You guys need to check it out. Oh, uh, top tier anime. Come check it out. Reviews be coming up weekly. I mean, come on, man. Come on. I I, just, I need to catch so up on uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, but like from what I've seen of it, I've seen like the first two or three episodes. It definitely looks like a really fun anime. Yeah, it's it's it, the animation is beautiful. There's a lot of people put a lot of work, you know what I'm saying, into what's going on. It's definitely worth checking out. And what you got? Uh, what you got for us, Stuart? Um, we have a new Godzilla movie coming, and this one is not mm. by Legendary. This one, oh my god, that kitty is so adorable, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I'm, I'm jealous because we're not allowed to have pets in our apartment, but I, I want one so badly. You have no idea. Um, anyway, so we have a, a new Godzilla movie, and this one is not from Legendary. This one is actually coming uh, to us from Toho for the first time since uh, Shin Godzilla. Uh, but from what I understand, this one is actually meant to uh, launch a franchise, so it's not going to be like a- okay and done this is going to be like basically a reboot to a new godzilla universe uh but it's the title is weird it's called godzilla minus one um they released a teaser for it uh very similar in a lot of ways to uh shin godzilla in the sense that it looks like they're really focusing more on the civilian side of things and so godzilla looks huge because of this because we're focusing from the civilian perspective we're not necessarily uh focusing it on like kind of the bigger camera angles that make kind of godzilla look smaller in some other movies but uh um that's only from like the 30 second teaser that we got but it looks looks really cool um it's interesting that now uh even japan is starting to go with the cg route for godzilla so it seems like the days Mm. of uh people in rubber suits are uh, officially (laughs) gone <laughs> I got you. And not, not going with that Tokusatsu model so much anymore, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, I will say I was a big fan of Shin Godzilla. I really enjoyed what they were doing with that. Um, but I am interested to seeing what this um Godzilla minus one is gonna be all about. I wasn't sure if it was like a continuation, like a sequel from um Shin Godzilla, but this is like another reboot, if you will, right? Is that what you're saying, Stuart? Yeah, so no no connections to uh Shin Godzilla whatsoever. It's all gonna be in its own uh world. It, it might uh so like what Godzilla movies tend to do a lot is they whenever they reboot the universe, it's always a sequel to the first one, but ignoring mm. everything else in between. So I feel like there's a good chance we might get that with uh Godzilla minus one. I get you. Um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I definitely did check out the trailer. If you guys haven't done so, I I I don't know if it's up on our Facebook page or not. I know the poster is, but I don't know if we've had the opportunity to to post the trailer as of yet. So if anything, um, we'll try and get that up for you guys later on today. But definitely try and check it out on YouTube for yourself if you're a big Godzilla fan. Uh, A couple other honorable mentions I wanted to bring up as well. We did get some brand new photos for you guys this week um, coming to us from our Facebook page here. Um, Daryl Dixon, the upcoming The Walking Dead spinoff, is going to be here, I think, dropping this upcoming September. Um, They did give us a teaser trailer sometime a couple weeks ago, but we're actually getting our opportunity to see Norman Reedus as Daryl Dixon, this time in France, uh, as they wind up posting some brand new photos from the upcoming series uh, this past week. Uh, How are you guys feeling about this? Is there any momentum for you guys? Are you hyped for this? I mean, The Walking Dead has been going on for years now. I don't even know if it's been a decade already. Maybe it has. Uh, But Daryl is still moving and grooving, guys. And he's going to be in France 
in this upcoming spinoff here. We also have the other spinoffs uh, show Dead City. Uh, and then we're also looking forward to Rick and Michonne. So The Walking Dead is far from over. Uh, but we did have some uh, brand new photos. What do you guys think of these? I mean, the production looks really big on these. Um, I think like. Yeah, it does. If if it wasn't for the fact that I'm so behind on The Walking Dead because I stopped after <laughs> yeah. uh, I stopped after they you know quote unquote killed Rick off but then like didn't uh, that that was the last episode that I'd seen um, so if it was for the fact that I'm so behind on the show I would probably be really intrigued by this um, I also like that it looks like uh, Daryl is meant to be kind of a mentor to some younger people and uh, given their age it's kind of safe to say and given how long we've been in the zombie apocalypse it's safe to say that they're probably kids that have grown up thinking that this is a normal thing so that's it's gonna be kind of an interesting perspective to explore in the walking dead universe what about you indy how are you feeling about the photos that you you've gotten so far and are you hyped for uh this upcoming uh show at all uh the photos that i got no uh i, I mean i like them the hype i'm mm -hmm. not really um okay. i felt the same way about dead city it's something where i have to see where the writing is going what they're going to do with it before i uh end up getting too excited because i don't want to be let down because the walking dead is something that um i hold near and dear to my heart you know what i'm saying walking dead and game of thrones are two things that started around the same time you know what i'm saying that have been going have been a staple in um pop culture you know since it started uh back with the comics and the books going into what we got now so i'm just looking forward to seeing what they do with the character daryl who was made specifically for the tv show to start off with mm -hmm. so there's no background lore anything to to really check into seeing where this is going to go it's all new material you know and everything like that it's, it's really we don't know how this character is going to end up and out of all the characters on the show he has had the most growth other than you know megan like he's been he's been through the most had the most change has been there since the beginning so it's going to be interesting to see uh what happens with that um and people would, love daryl does he still have like the biggest following out of uh majority of the cast i know people still love daryl when walking dead started i mean it's, it's, to me it's like daryl michonne and rick neck and neck mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. when it when it comes to popularity of characters um the only characters more popular than the three of them is glenn and they killed him off <laughs> yeah <laughs> so fortunately yeah we miss you glenn we miss you um but yeah no i look i i, I see i definitely see both sides like um you know stewart um, well, I should say, Indy, you know, for me, uh, I fell off of The Walking Dead also. Um, but when I think of um, this particular show, I'm just not super hyped for it. Um, the trailer hasn't really done too much for me. Maybe if I see like an actual full official trailer, maybe it might uh, change my my perspective on it. But I'm just not feeling the hype behind it so much. Cool photos. And I am eager to kind of see what they dive into. But considering that I've fallen off of The Walking Dead years ago, um, you know, they, it seems, it seems okay. I feel like I find myself more interested in other content that they're going to do like Rick and Michonne. I'm really excited for that. And you had the opportunity, Stuart, I mean, Indy to check out, um, dead city, didn't you? And yeah, you really liked it, right? De dead city is really good, but I think dead city play it. They're, they're doing some of the same tropes. I feel like some of the, uh, development of characters they did, they went backwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, like some stuff didn't happen. Uh, especially when it comes between the relationship of uh, uh, Negan and um, what is her name? I always I yeah, Maggie. Yeah. Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, between mm -hmm. Negan and Maggie, I feel like they took a step back between that relationship, especially after everything that resolved in the uh, original series. But 
seeing classic, almost classic Negan back, seeing him had to revert to that character every time there's something major, you know what I'm saying, going on, you know, almost having that little pig, little pig moment um, <laughs> in, in the first episode. Uh, it makes it very worth, you know what I'm saying, much worth watching because I feel like Negan got so stripped down and neutered uh, by the end of The Walking Dead that he wasn't the same character. He was closer to being like Rick, like original Rick than he was as Negan we were introduced to. But that was great character development in that character itself that you understood why they went that way. No, mm-hmm. I feel you. So um, we'll see, guys. Um, but Daryl Dixon does drop uh, this upcoming September on AMC Plus, if I'm not mistaken. So definitely go ahead and check it out if you can. Uh, another honorable mention here real quick. We did get ourselves some brand new set photos from um, the upcoming Deadpool 3 movie. Uh, now, unfortunately... Um, production for the movie has, in fact, halted uh, as of this week. Uh, but before doing so, uh, we did get ourselves some really cool new set photos here. Uh, as we got Hugh Jackman and Ryan um, um, Ryan Reynolds hugging each other out. Um, I think, if anything, what a lot of people have been loving from some of these photos is the fact that we actually have ourselves a comic book accurate costume for Wolverine uh, in a really long time. A lot of people have been asking for it and it's finally here, Um, but they wind up dropping some set photos. And this is probably one of my (laughs) favorites here, honestly, Um, get an opportunity to see the, the old 20th century Fox logo. Um, This very much reminds me of the, what is it? The void or I don't know. I can't remember where it was from, what the name of the place was from in Loki when, um, was it Loki um, gets trapped in that world where like everything's been destroyed or enveloped, right? Like the multiverses that have been destroyed. Um, I'm wondering if the, I can't, I think they called it the void. I'm not quite sure, but considering the fact that we see a 20th century Fox logo there, I think is uh, pure genius. If you ask me, uh, and then we get the opportunity to see some other photos here of uh, Hugh Jackman and Ryan uh, Reynolds on set, getting ready for um, well, uh, Deadpool three. What are you guys' uh, thoughts on these set photos? Anything that really stands out to you? Um, like you said, uh, the, the fact that there might be that cool tie in with Loki, uh, cause that's exactly what I was thinking too. When I saw that, uh, that whole set piece, it looked just like that one scene from, uh, you know, the Loki TV series, uh, love the costume, of course, very comic book accurate. They finally can pay off that joke from the first X-Men movie. Uh, what would you prefer? Yellow spandex? Uh, here, here we go. We finally have them. <laughs> full circle, right? Yeah. Uh, I love it. What about you, Indy? How you feeling about these photos, man? Deadpool kills the Fox universe. That's that's yeah, what, that that's, the honestly, going with? that's the vibes that I'm getting from it. Um, I'm, I'm I, I try not to think too much when it happens to be a Deadpool movie. It is more of sit back and enjoy the ride type things. <laughs> but I really trust uh, trust Ryan Reynolds with his love of the character and where it's going to go. And I'm 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 just really curious to see how this is going to tie into. Uh, Disney itself and what they have going on with their Marvel universe. Yeah, I'm really excited to see it, man. They've um, and there's plenty more um, set photos out there. Some even some set videos out there for you guys to certainly check out. Um, we got a plethora of fantastic news this past week. I was not expecting to see these uh, set photos whatsoever, but um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the costume. I think the costume looks great. I mean, as as great as you could possibly make a yellow and blue costume look for Wolverine. Uh, I am going to be curious to see if they actually give him sort of the mask to go along with it. We haven't seen any of those in any of the set photos 
here. Uh, there's even like some set videos of them doing some wire work and things like that for a big action piece. Um, so this has me really excited. I think Ryan Reynolds definitely knows what he's doing here. Him and Hugh Jackman have been wanting to work with each other for years, um, really coming off of some, I don't, I don't know if I would call them successful, but enjoyable movies of Ryan Reynolds teaming up with uh, Sean Levy, uh, who's going to be, I believe, doing a, being the director for this Deadpool 3 movie as well. So it seems like it's all coming together, man. But uh, we're getting some great glimpses that I think are going to get people even more hyped uh, for some people that are feeling kind of down on the direction of the MCU right now. I'm hoping that this certainly um, resuscitates them a little bit and gets them hyped again for uh, what's certainly uh, to come down the pipeline. But uh, good stuff there when we when it comes comes to um wolverine and deadpool 3 we, we we do have one more if you have time what you got uh the ftc trial when it comes to microsoft uh and the activision of blizzard uh microsoft has won so that means that they have until oh, nice. july 18th to be able to close the deal um i'm excited about this um because i I enjoy Microsoft, although I do enjoy Sony too. But the uh, big thing coming out of that is that there is a deal that Microsoft and PlayStation have in place in order to keep uh, the legendary Call of Duty video game um, mm. on Sony consoles. Uh, and I'm just curious if it's similar to the deal that Microsoft originally offered in order to have the game on uh, PlayStation for the following 10 years and able to go on PlayStation plus as well. So I'm curious to see what that, that specific details at that deal to see if it's for the future of call of duty or if it's just for the next 10 years. Oh goodness. Okay. Yeah. So keep us posted on that indeed for sure. Cause I'm sure definitely a bunch of gamers definitely want to know how that's going to turn out. But Microsoft, he said won that case. Yes, they won the case, which a lot of people are upset with the FTCs. They feel like they just wasted taxpayer dollars. Oh, damn. Because it shouldn't have been a reason not to let Microsoft acquire Activision. Acquire Blizzard. that. Um, yeah, man, that's uh, that's pretty big. That's pretty big. Um, I will throw in one more honorable mention here, and then we'll wrap up. Miss um, Marvel is back in the news. Uh, Miss Marvel, uh, well, not only is the star Aman Vellani, who plays Kamala Khan, she's actually going to be writing a upcoming Miss Marvel comic. I think that's actually pretty interesting. But the big news is that they are actually going to be airing the Disney Plus series of Miss Marvel on ABC. Um, they are setting it up to August 5th. The first three episodes will air. Uh, and then the final three entries will um, be put on August 12th. Um, so it looks like they're trying to get a little bit ahead of the upcoming Marvel's movie because we had just talked about this um, last week, I believe, the idea that you've kind of now given general audiences sort of more homework to do. Uh, and if you go into the Marvels and you don't have a Disney Plus account or if you've never had the opportunity to even watch Miss Marvel or even WandaVision, you might be kind of confused um, going into the Marvels as to what's all transpired um, if you're not watching anything that's not movie related. So it looks as though Disney uh, is, in fact, going to be releasing the Miss Marvel series again on ABC. So it's available for a wide range of audiences. August 5th, the first three episodes will be dropping, and then the last three episodes, August 12th. Uh, now, the article was stating that they may be doing this to kind of fill in some slots due to the strikes that are certainly happening as of right now. Uh, but they also emphasize the idea that it's probably an incentive to go ahead and get people very much familiar with the character before the Marvels. Uh, what do you guys think about that plan? 
honestly think it's a smart move. Um, I, I I implore them. Is that the word I'm supposed to? Say? I'm trying to use big words. I'm not awake yet. Um, that I I not only Miss Marvel, but I would really like them to do this with Loki as well, in order to get Pete. Because one of the things that I don't like that is coming out is the the negativity about um disney content that comes out with like i'm okay you can have some negativity with the movies i, I understand how some people feel but the 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 backlash that movies like ant-man and other things are catching it, they really shouldn't be catching that backlash because they're actually well you know what i'm saying written and produced movies none of the television shows the disney plus shows have missed none of them have been bad they've all you know what i'm saying they've all been good in their own right um miss marvel especially uh a top three you know what i'm saying disney plus show as far as marvel you know what i'm saying when it came on and it needs to be as front of many eyeballs as possible and the fact that it is such a big show to tie into what's going on in the future to mcu you want to make sure that people are up to date on what's going on even though they're going against everything that they told us when they told us that we wouldn't have had to watch these shows in order to follow <laughs> along what's going to go with the yeah. mcu but um, they say the same thing about comic books, you know. Oh, you don't have to buy these, you know. what I'm saying spinoffs in order to know what's going on. But yeah, I would like to know how Wolverine lost his eye yeah. when 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 he pops up without an eyeball in one of the cartoon. You know, what I'm saying one of the comics in the comic beforehand, he had an eyeball. So yeah, I would like to know what's going on. So, but I'm I'm for it. Um, this young lady deserves to have as much fanfare as possible. You know what I'm saying? I feel like she should have Jenna Ortega level, you know what I'm saying, fanfare. Uh, but she doesn't have that because she hasn't been able to be in front of as many eyes, you know, as possible as Jenna Ortega has. Uh, how do you what do you think about it, Stuart? You think it's a good move? Yeah, I think it's a very smart move on uh, Disney's part. Um, and, you know, even if you have Disney Plus, it's still a good way to remind people, hey, this movie's coming out. Uh, here's a show that you may want to catch up with before uh, taking or before watching that movie. It's something I think they really should have done with uh, WandaVision and uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, because I feel like that's another movie. If you go into not watching WandaVision, you're going to be like, uh, OK, what what happened with Wanda in between movies? Because I'm a bit lost here. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I think this is a brilliant move on their part. Um, I really hope it uh, is rather successful, and I hope they get a ton of views uh, on ABC for this because, um, yeah, I think Amon Vellani is going to definitely be a star, and I think she's definitely going to showcase that even further when it comes to the Marvels. Um, and so, really, there's a lot of backstory uh, for this character before heading into that big movie. So I do think that this is a, a brilliant move on their part. So um, we'll see how it comes along. But, um, guys, again, August 5th, August 12th, Miss Marvel. If you don't have Disney Plus or if you're not sharing accounts with anybody, you want to check it out, definitely go ahead and certainly do so before the movie drops. But other than that, guys, that will do it for our honorable mention segment. Um, listen, if you guys have not had the opportunity to go ahead and submit your live viewer questions over, feel free to go ahead and submit them over if you'd like to. I do believe if you go over to our YouTube page, click on that community tab, there is, in fact, a live viewer question post for you guys. So you can go ahead and submit your question over and then we'll get to it towards the end of the episode. And whatever we don't get the opportunity to, to talk about live with you guys, we'll go ahead and put in its own separate video later on in the week so feel free to go ahead and submit your live viewer questions down below um so fellas are you guys ready to get into our main topics for the day hell yes <laughs> all right let's do this and i'll also go ahead and introduce our brand new special guest as well guys listen 
Hollywood is on strike right now. There is a lot that is certainly going on. Unfortunately, you've got the WGA currently on strike. And this week, uh, the SAG-AFTRA uh, also went on strike as well. Uh, Fran Drescher, uh, along with the rest of, well, maybe not the rest, but the, the rest of uh, the crew there, wind up giving a very impassioned press conference this week, letting everybody know exactly why they're certainly going on strike and really what they're certainly fighting for. And so this week, guys, I really wanted to go ahead and dive into this a little bit uh, to really showcase just um, everything that's certainly happening for you guys. Uh, and instead of coming it coming from our mouths, uh, we decided to go ahead and bring in a special guest that I'm very happy to go ahead and introduce to you. His name is James Bathia Jr. He is, in fact, a writer as well as a producer. Uh, he does come from Harlem, New York City, if I'm not mistaken, uh, along with, I believe, the time he also went to um, Bronx High School of Science. Um, later in his career, he eventually went ahead and created a Nickelodeon show that I used to love watching as a kid called Nick Arcade. Uh, it was very, um, I always thought it was something that was certainly ahead of its time. Uh, definitely sucked me in to certainly say the least. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever remember this logo whatsoever, but this was like my childhood. Um, but he was definitely the one of the co-creators for that particular show. He also went went on to become head of uh, programming, I believe, for uh, another channel you guys might have been familiar with in the time, UPN, uh, that carried a ton of hit shows at the time, Star Trek Voyager, Moesha, just to certainly name a few. Uh, and he was executive in charge for a lot of those shows. Um, he is also a member of WGA. Uh, he is also a member of SAG. Uh, he has also at, at a time been uh, one of the an executive for the AMPTP. Uh, and he has also had a couple of uh, run-ins with uh, Iron Man himself, as he has, in fact, been in the first Iron Man, uh, as well as the second Iron Man movie as well. Uh, so, I, you know, I guess if there is one question I probably have to ask him when he comes in is, did you know Rhodey was a scroll? That's probably one of the questions I would have to ask him uh, at this point in time um but ladies and gentlemen introducing james bathia hey, <laughs> hey guys hey. how's hey. it going great great man great thanks for having me oh it's fantastic jimmy um I i'm gonna call you jimmy if that's okay um, sure uh, anybody else, feel free to call him James, Mr. Bethia, however you want to um, uh, refer to him as. But uh, it's so good to have you here, man. Look, I love you, Jimmy. You're my cousin. Uh, can I give a quick story real quick? Of course. I rem I have a core memory in my life. And I'm kind of curious if you remember this also. But I remember as a young kid, I don't remember how old I was. But I remember, I, I can't remember if I came over to your apartment one day, uh, if you were watching me, maybe my mom had to work or I was just hanging out with you. I can't remember. Yeah. But you had a bookshelf of like comic books uh, and they were like hardcover essential issues of like Avengers, Fantastic Four. And I got to tell you, Jimmy, if there was anybody that helped um, initiate this love for comic books and my nerddom. Uh, you were definitely one of those proponents, man. You and my uncle, uh, Danny, were so like fundamental in regards to me being one, one of the aspects of who I am today. Um, but I just remember coming over to your apartment, opening them up, and just being so fascinated <laughs> and thrown into that world of comic books. So I just want to say thank you, Jimmy, for, for that, for sure. Wow. 
Well, I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate uh, hearing that, uh, especially with the, uh, the way things have turned out for you. Uh, that really touches my heart. So that's great. And that, my story is probably like your story. The same thing. When I was a kid, I stumbled onto somebody's comic book collection and that was it. I was done, you know, at that point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, it just kind of sucks this all in for sure. Um, yeah. But um, so it's good to have you here, Jimmy. Uh, listen, uh -huh. fellas, if you guys have any questions for Jimmy, feel free to certainly ask him anything that you'd like to. Um, if anything, before we get into the WGA strike, I got to ask you, how did you yeah. guys come up with this concept for Nick Arcade? Because for me, the idea of virtual reality, um, putting people literally into the video games having sort of face-offs, uh, you know, teams against teams when it comes to arcade games. How did that all kind of come to fruition for you guys? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. I guess it was um, it was a kind of organic idea, right? We, you know, at the time I was producer at uh, Nickelodeon, and they kind of opened the door to development to anyone within the company. And uh, myself and a buddy of mine who had gone to that high school together, Bronx High School of Science, um, we were kind of amateur amateur tinkerers with computers and, and all of those things. And we stumbled upon a technology um, within a, 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 one of the personal computers back in the day called the Commodore Amiga, that it had a, a technology that if you could feed it, um, a, high a high contrast image like you would get out of an Ultimat like the green screen symbol to the behind me, um, it would recognize that that high contrast image and you and could inter interact with with game sprites with pro program technology. So to make a long story short, we realized, oh wow, in a way you could put someone inside a video game for real. So we kind of married that idea with the fact that Nickelodeon was huge at the time with game shows, mm -hmm. right? Double Dare and others and. Um, a lot guts of those, and stuff, yeah. Global guts, and so a lot of that was about wish fulfillment, and uh, and also knowledge base. You know, the idea that uh, for kids, if you think about what a game show is, and a lot of times it's about tapping into a certain knowledge base of the people at home, the viewers at home. You know, so it's like, oh yeah, I could follow this show because I know these things. But the question was, what do kids know? And and kids, one of the things that kids were experts in were video games that adults weren't. So it can really kind of tapped into like a knowledge base to kind of pull it all together into one show. The only hitch being that the technology to make it all run smoothly didn't exist yet. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, there was no, you know, virtual reality, you know, uh, a lot of the computer equipment, you know, worked at different scan rates than television broadcast equipment. And now everything is all, it's all digital and everything is wonderful. But back then, you know, you, you couldn't even switch from one input source to the other. We had to and we had to have special equipment engineered. We had to do a lot of software tinkering and programming. So at the end of the day, we just wanted to make a good show and we hope that's how it turned out. But there was a ton going on backstage to, to, to pull it off. It sounds like a lot of ton of work and the advancement in yeah. technology to kind of pull that off. Any thoughts of ever doing like a reboot for a more modern age? We, we've, we've talked about it. I mean, the, you know, the obvious thing is that um, video games only grew from there, right, and evolved mm -hmm. to an amazing stage. So it seems kind of obvious on that level. But it's a, they've evolved in a lot of ways into things that are not necessarily 
TV friendly or family friendly. They've also become a lot more mature, a lot more uh, adult, a lot more violent and so forth. And so, um, so the question would become, you know, which audience would you mm. make this reboot for? Would you make it for gotcha. the modern audience or would you make it for the nostalgic audience? So we're talking about it, you know, um, um, we're, we're always talking about it. We'll see if I, if I have any, if anything happens, I'll, I'll let you know. Awesome. Thank you, Jimmy. Appreciate that. Um, and then uh, I, I'm also ahead, kind of curious about something just cause, uh, you know, <laughs> so <clears throat> I follow a lot of, uh, gaming or I used to follow a lot of, uh, gaming channels and, uh, mm -hmm. one of the biggest issues they would have every now and then, uh, especially from companies like uh, Nintendo is constantly getting flagged for using footage from their games. Uh, you know, even though it would technically follow under uh, fair use. So I'm kind of wondering yes. like with a, with a full on, uh, you know, TV production, uh, did you have to deal with, uh, things like that from video game companies? Um, or, uh, what, what was that like? That was actually a huge part of what we did during pre-production was we kind of did this dog and pony show and met with all of the big game developers, hardware and software uh, developers, presented the show, and we had to kind of lay down the law and say um, either everybody's in or nobody's in, and we don't do it because you had certain companies, Nintendo versus Sega, et cetera, who uh, wanted exclusivity. Oh, sure, we'll do it, but mm -hmm. only our games, only our hardware. Uh, and uh, it was a very tough negotiation, but ultimately they came around. And so we had access to everyone's, you know, games and everyone's, you know, there were no exclusivities. And um, they provided a lot of material to us, even uh, unpublished games. Um, it was great. Once we, once, we, once we had that deal, we knew we had a show at that point. Awesome. Awesome. How did that, um, how would you say that opened the door for you to move on to something like a UPN? Well, uh, I guess what it did. So, you know, as you guys know, there are ranks of, of producers uh, within television and what, what that made happen for myself is that I became a showrunner, right? I developed the show, put the show together, staffed the show, you know, uh, cast the show. And I, I did this in conjunction with, like I said, my buddy who was the co-creator with me um, and then ran the show and um, and the show was a success. And so it put me at a level where I was now um, a showrunner. Mm -hmm. um, and out of that, I ended up in a development uh, overall deal with with Nickelodeon and MTV Networks and started up a production company and um not too long after went out to Los Angeles for development meetings with networks here. And um, out of the blue, one of those networks turned around and offered me an executive job, um, which is a kind of a stunning, I wasn't, hadn't, wasn't on my radar at all. Right. But as I, but as I thought about it, I thought it might be a, a really great way to come to Los Angeles and learn how the, how the business works, you know, here. Um, where where most of the activity occurs and uh if i would be coming in as quote a quote-unquote buyer um which means that it would be a kind of like a very friendly welcome you know across the board and so um uh i made the leap it sounded like a really great fun experience and and i took the plunge and i moved to uh to la to become an executive at a network which was upn um and then uh shortly after 
a months long negotiation and moving, shutting down my production company and moving everything out here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the CEO and the president of the company announced that they weren't renewing their contracts oh. and they were, they were leaving. So, oh, lovely. So welcome to Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. How, um, um, how long, how long did it take you to, before you actually got like your memberships to like a uh, WGA or mm-hmm, SAG? Mm-hmm. Those were, uh, the WGA. So I became a network. Um, I was promoted, uh, a couple of times and I was ended up as head of, um, what's called head of current programming for UPN. So that means, you know, you have separate development departments that are bringing new shows into the network. And then you have a department that manages the production of everything in prime time. So I was head of that department. And, um, after a while, you know, the itch hit me to kind of get back onto the creative side as a showrunner. And so, uh, I ended up pitching an idea for a sitcom to, to UPN, to my own network that they bought. Um, and so was able to transition back over to the, the creative side as a writer, writing that pilot, that network pilot, um, which didn't, which didn't go to series, but put me into the writer's guild again, mm-hmm. as a writer, creator, showrunner, um, the the sag thing was a, was a lot more bizarre and and just pure blind luck that um at that that high school that i went to the bronx high school of science um i was good buddies with a guy whose name we all know now named uh, john favreau and um uh here we are many years later in in hollywood together and we would we would kind of go back and forth in, involving each other in projects that we were doing. Um, I, I, I got into live television for a short while. I produced um, uh, the Critics' Choice Awards, for instance, one year, a very big award show, and asked John to come on as a presenter, which he did. Nice. Um, and, and then he did a pilot um, for, for a show, a half-hour show, and there was a Dungeon Master role that in the show. And so he kind of hit me up to do that while I was an executive. <laughs> To come by and play a dungeon master because uh, I, I was his dungeon master in high school. So anyway, <laughs> so you have this kind of kind of like crazy back and forth thing. And when he started doing Iron Man, he just uh, he invited me over to kind of check out the uh, there I am. There I am. He invited me over to kind of check out some of the sets and the maquettes, the toys, the stuff that he was building. And of course, you just fall in love with it. And just as a joke, I said, you know what? I said, when you shoot this, I said, I want to be standing right there in the corner in a, in a, in a uniform doing nothing. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Two weeks later, the head of casting called and said, okay, so you're coming in next Wednesday and you're going to be standing in a corner in a military <laughs> uniform. So I went and just as a background performer, but something it's like something strange happened on the way to the forum. Um, as we were filming the scene, there there was like a jargon heavy component to a scene we were doing it was terrence howard's first day uh on the on the film so that so he was getting up to speed so that meant that everything else had to go perfectly so that he could just do take after take but it wasn't working out that way because there were some lines preceding his that that kept getting fumbled and so john just said hey james you know this jargon stuff right backwards and forward you know what we're trying to say here would you mind doing it and before i knew it 
I'm in the movie, you know, <laughs> in a speaking line with Terrence, with Terrence Howard, who I had just worked with previously at UPN because he was on a series that we had uh, about a law firm. So it's this very, you know, uh, very bizarre, very surreal. Um, I'm not, a, you know, a, a trained actor or anything, but I gave it my best. Um, and they liked me enough to bring me back for Iron Man 2. Uh, and that's how I ended up in SAG. Well, for the short amount of lines you had, I think you pulled them off perfectly, yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> They'll be my, so my epitaph. <laughs> I Scramble the jets. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. But I will say it's so funny. I remember sitting down in theaters and watching the movie for the first time, and your face pops up on screen, and I was like, <laughs> "Is that is that who I think it was?" And then you pop up again. I'm like, "That's totally my cousin." I can't believe he's in this movie. Um, yeah, so it was, it was definitely awesome. a huge surprise. Uh, but I think that's I think it's fantastic, fantastic story on how that kind of all came together for you. But um, this week. Uh, as everybody yes. knows, the um, SAG-AFTRA um, has, in fact, gone on strike, the, along right. with the WGA back in mm -hmm. May, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. Let me. You've been on the picket line. You've been yep. um, striking. I don't know how, how many days you've spent out there or anything like that. But for those of you who for, – for, for the viewers at home who <clears throat> maybe haven't caught up to why are they striking? Why are the writers striking? Right. Why are the – the actors striking, but they've just seen mm -hmm. people out there. Can you right. um, let us in on that world a little bit more as to what some of the uh, what what are some of the things they're asking for, and maybe some of the pushback that you've heard from the studios and streamers? Okay, sure, sure. Um, I mean, I, I think it boils down to two really big things. One is money, and the other is tech technology, and um, you know, every few years or so, uh, these labor contracts come back again for renewal. They come up again. And, uh, and, and you look at where things have been and the writers and the actors decide, you know, where do we want them to be going forward? Are we making progress um, or are we falling behind? And I think this time around, um, things we've fallen so far behind that that it's obvious that something needs to change or something needs to happen because uh, because in prior circumstances a lot of times they would negotiate okay well we'll increase the money a little bit here we'll do certain things and and, and everybody can everybody can live with it but the gap has become very egregious between what writers are being paid what actors and what actors are being paid and i'm not talking about the superstars i'm talking about the, the 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 main group of working writers and actors you know who are who are not gazillionaires um um who make a good living and have a career um they are the ones who have kind of fallen behind because of some very specific changes um that have happened in recent years um on the money side um particularly in television it has to do with the advent of streaming services and the fact that there was no um, no contract provision that's that stated um, that the residuals on uh, streaming shows would be in line with what happened on linear or or network television. Um, uh, so it it be, so it became kind of a loophole where a company can produce a show, uh, put it on a streaming service, and and 
hugely undercut the writers or the actors, you know, mm-hmm. on that yeah. show. So, for instance, my uh, uh, my partner, Rosemary, who's also a writer, she uh, I still get residuals for Iron Man and Iron Man 2 through SAG. La, last year, I made more in residuals on a 2008 movie um, than she did off of a 2002 series that she wrote 10 episodes of. They paid her 99 cents per episode in residuals. So she got a check for nine dollars and ninety nine cents because it was an NBC show, but it, that they that aired on Peacock. So mm-hmm. because the show, her residuals were, were nine dollars and ninety nine cents. That's, you know, you it's un, you can't live off of that. It's unsustainable, you know. Um, and so uh, uh, and and on on the flip side, the studios and the companies find themselves in a quandary because they rushed into streaming without necessarily thinking it through for all of these companies. Um, so, so they have this big expense, you know, that they're sort of trying to make up for some of it off of the back of the, of the talent, uh, because it, because it was a, 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 a an unfortunate business decision. So, um, it, 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 like I said, that's what's happening on the money side. And then on the technology side, you have AI, you know, which kind of threatens to, 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 to eliminate jobs, you know, and replace people. Um, and, you know, it's something that needs to be headed off because, the, but because in the past, the companies have always said with new technologies, we don't worry about it. It's not even a business yet. It's not a mature business. We don't even understand what it is. We'll get to it later. And they did that with home video. They did that with streaming services. And now they're they're singing the same tune with AI. And, you know, third third time is the charm. We're not going to, you know, we, we know what they're going to what they're going to do, make promises, and then ultimately um, um, put all of their eggs in that in that basket. And we'll be left out in the cold. So, um, so that's what really makes this situation different than, um, than what's occurred in the past and why people are out there striking, striking. Yeah. Cause apparently they have not, um, the actors and the writers have not sh- had a strike together since the sixties, I believe. So this is like 60 years, uh, yes. coming, if you will. Um, but yes. you do make a good point in the sense that the, the model has definitely changed, right? And you, if you're still paying these actors and these writers based off of something that was agreed to 20 plus years ago, um, right. you haven't really changed with the times. Um, and we have been hearing just horror stories of streamers, not wanting to give out, uh, any of their metrics or any of their correct, numbers correct. sort of thing. So that right. really at the end of the day hides their revenues and profits as to what they're making and who's actually watching their shows where if they were to give those out, you know, I'm, I'm, assume, I'm assuming you would have to pay these actors and writers because of all, all the information that's out there, but they want to keep that right. progress. Right. The pleading poverty on one hand, and then on the other hand, not showing their data, and oh, by the way, we just paid our CEO two hundred million dollars. So something doesn't add up, you know. If that's the way they're going to play it, then we're going to say, why don't you go out there and write the shows or act in the shows then? Uh, because we're not going to do it if that's the uh, you know if no, if nothing changes. 
And um, and your president of SAG, uh, Fran Drescher, for those of you who don't mm -hmm. know her, she is the nanny. And the nanny has come for the heads of the CEOs uh, at studios this past week. She had a pretty impassioned um, a pretty impassioned um, uh, statement that she had to make. Um, I, I do want to play some of it for us, uh, for the uh, people at home that haven't had the opportunity to see what Fran was saying. Um, we won't play the whole thing because I think her thing is like six minutes long, but I do want to play at least a portion of it for you guys. Uh, so let me go ahead and pull this up here. Where are you at, Fran? There you go. Let me go ahead and hold on. Let me actually stop this real quick. I'm going to set this up one more time. Okay. All right, here we go. We are the victims here. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. I am shocked by the way the people that we have been in business with are treating us. I cannot believe it, quite frankly. How far apart we are on so many things. How they plead poverty that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. We stand in solidarity, in unprecedented unity. Our union and our sister unions and the unions around the world are standing by us as well as other labor unions. Because at some point, the jig is up. You cannot keep being dwindled and marginalized and disrespected and dishonored. The entire business model has been changed by streaming, digital, AI. This is a moment of history that is a moment of truth. If we don't stand tall right now, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines and big business. Who cares more about Wall Street than you and your family? Most of Americans don't have more than $500 in, a, in an emergency. This is a very big deal and it weighed heavy on us. But at some point, you have to say, no, we're not going to take this anymore. You people are crazy. Yeah, you people are crazy. I absolutely love that, yeah. that line. <laughs> um, so I have a uh, question on whether or not you think this is uh, accurate. So basically, a lot of streaming services have been removing a lot of shows, um, you know, even shows that are currently in development. Uh, like uh, one of the examples I'm thinking of is like on Paramount Plus, Star Trek, uh, Prodigy Season 2, right, uh, you know, right. got renewed. So as far as we mm -hmm. all knew, that show was safe, but suddenly yep. that show is now taken off. Not And as far as I know, they're not even going to air Season 2, even though it's, uh, you know, yes. being developed. Um, so my question to you is, is this because they don't want to pay uh, residuals to uh, writers, like kind of as like a F you for going on strike type of thing? Because that's kind of like how it comes off to me, but I'm kind of curious, like in the perspective of the writer is that what you think i from what from what i've heard that was more about taking advantage of an accounting opportunity where if they take the show off the service and it's basically it disappears it's dead 
they can then claim a, a write-off, a, a write-down on their corporate taxes for it. So, so unfortunately, it's another one of those arbitrary kind of business decisions, just like the arbitrary decision to just say, hey, let's, let's do MGM Plus, like something no one was asking for, but we've got to jump in because everybody else is in, you know, it's oh, so yeah. kind of, you know, arbitrary shoot from the hip decisions that, that don't take into account what has been, what has worked so well in the past, which is the concept of ad building a library, right? That was the business lived off of that for decades. And the idea was we're making these shows, even if we take a loss of, on them up front, it was kind of like real estate over time the library value will, will, will make up for it. And now we see decisions being made that don't seem to take that into account. And that's kind of scary because then that means that's an incentive for, for Netflix to do, let's do a new show, six episodes is the first season, and then it never comes back, you know, or it does, you know, you have a lot of shows that are disposable. Um, and those are just arbitrary decisions that just, to me, sound kind of panicked and aren't smart. Um, and, and, and so they're not even, they don't have their act together enough to even start to do things that quote unquote, go after the writers, you know, because they're so caught up in this bad decision-making. And I will say, you know, it is interesting. You brought that up the, the push for streaming, um, because it seems as though like somebody like a Bob Iger just came back, Mm -hmm. um, as Disney CEO, they just literally gave him an, an extension also to stay with the company. He's taken over for Bob Chapek, who really had to deal with Disney and Disney Plus and the streaming service during the time of, of COVID mm-hmm. and things like that. As as you know, studios sort of changed the model of movie going um, based off of what COVID happened and really pushing yes. a lot of their their effort towards streamers. But now you hear people like Bob, you know, like Bob Iger saying, you know, well now we got to reel things back in. You know, like the models broke. You know, we want to put our efforts back into theaters, maybe not so much as streaming services as it certainly used to be sort of thing. So it almost feels like they realized that they rushed into it, made a mistake, and now they're trying to sort of um, change those plans. But now it feels as though by them changing it, they're changing it sort of as at the um, the detriment of the writers and the actors, um, whereas like almost feel like the studio CEOs and streamers don't want to take any sort of accountability or the fact that like we messed this up. Maybe the, the um, um, maybe it should come from us financially in regards to fixing things instead of us putting the burden on the writers and actors a little bit more. That's kind of what it feels like to me a little bit. Uh, I agree with that. That's my, my thinking is if, 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 if the model's broken, who broke it, you know? Right. Not, not, not the writers and the actors who, who were in like a golden age of, of television, right? Even if you account for screen, streaming, shows have never been better. As a, as a viewer, you know, uh, hopefully people um, appreciate what they're getting from the writers and the actors. Um, those, those like, like I said, those business decisions, um, I, like, I, I find it ironic that statements like that are made, and yet... What we're going to see in the next few weeks when all of these companies have to report their most recent quarter of earnings, we're going to see all the optimism from them, right, in terms of their revenues and everything that they made. And and uh, I'm not talking about profits because anybody can make profits look bad so that you, for instance, can't pay someone what you owe them. Um, I'm talking about revenues and the overall health of these of these companies. They're 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 massive conglomerates that, again, 
have enough money to pay a Bob Iger, for instance, 30, 30 million a year or whatever he's making. Maybe put a little bit of that money towards making up for your your whatever re reconfiguring that you have to do. Um, you know, I we what, what I hope is what the strike is going to do is make it visceral and real for a lot of these people because they appear to be living in bubbles, right? And it's you've got to pierce pierce that bubble, you know, for them to go. Okay, now we get it. You know, that's what we're doing. We're piercing the bubble. And uh, let me uh, speaking of people living inside of a bubble i do want to bring up this quote from um bob Iger. um this was uh, i believe he sat down um with varieties as disney ceo bob Iger says writers and actors are not being realistic with strikes it's very disturbing to me and look i used to be uh, i used to love bob Iger. Um, I absolutely did. I mean, he always, always felt like he used to come out and say all the right things. He used to be so supportive of his actors and his directors and stuff. And I used to be like, that is a CEO everybody deserves. Bob is always going to have your back. So now get an opportunity to kind of see Bob Iger come out and say these things. It's, um, you know, definitely gives you a different perspective of the people uh, on top a little bit. And he uh, it says uh, during an appearance on CBS's, uh, excuse me, on NBC's Squawk Box on Thursday morning, um, Bob Iger said that the writers and actors union going on strikes in Hollywood are not being realistic. He says it's very disturbing to me. We've talked about the disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing, the recovery from COVID, which is ongoing. It's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption, is what Iger says, talking about the strikes. I understand any labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get most compensation and be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed, as any industry, to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same with the writers, and we'd like to do the same with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. They are adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very, very disruptive, is what he says. And he says it will have a very damaging effect on the whole business. And unfortunately, there's a huge collateral damage in this industry to people who are supportive um, so services. And I could go on and on. It will affect the economy of different regions, even because of the sheer size of the business. It's a shame. It's a real shame, is what Iger says as he tries to uh, deflect the uh, deflect what's going on to um, putting blame on the writers and directors there a little bit. And Stuart, you have a, a clip, I believe, from um sean gunn um that responded to bob do you want to play that one real quick uh yep i think that when bob Iger talks about uh what a shame it is he needs to uh remember that in 1980 um ceos like him made 30 times what the worker what their lowest worker was making now bob Iger makes 400 times what his low, lowest worker is and i think that's a shame bob and maybe you should take a look in the mirror and, and what, ask yourself, why is that? And not only why is that, is it okay? Is it morally okay? Is it ethically okay that you make that much more than your lowest worker? And if so, why? Why is that okay? If your response is that that's just the way business is done now, that's just the way corporations work now, well, that sucks and that makes you a person if that's your answer. So you should come up with a better answer than that. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, Sean Gunn right there. It's just, mm-hmm. it, it, dishing out heat. And trust me, I, I've heard a bunch of actors and writers dishing out heat on not only Bob Iger, but the streaming service CEOs. Uh, what do you think about that, uh, Jimmy? Uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, so it's unrealistic to ask to make a work a working wage, but it's not unrealistic to fly on a private corporate private jet to a Sun Valley conference, you know, on your way to making 30 plus million dollars. Like that's, that's not bubble. unrealistic. That's that is, I'm, I, I'm saddened because uh, I was also a big admirer of Bob Iger. He, he started as a TV executive. You know, he was president of ABC, uh, uh, a, a very writer friendly person who got the business. And during past strikes, past disruptions, you know, my understanding is he was instrumental in resolving them. He was one mm-hmm. of the people leading the, leading the AMTP like, hey, let's work this out. Let's come together. And and now you hear this kind of tone deaf statement that makes me wonder what kind of a, like I said, bubble is he in and a bunch of other folks that needs to be pierced so he can get back to work, you know, the way that he used to. So, yeah, that's my feeling. And that's uh, my stepdad coming through, Rick. Uh, he says, uh, the, the shame is that the CEOs are greedy and are responsible for massive inequities in the pay of their average workers and CEOs compensation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you have also another clip here, Stuart, from I think it's the streamer's cruel plan. Um, go ahead and play that one. So yesterday, some studio executives told the press that they were planning on waiting out the Writers Guild until October when writers will lose our apartments and homes and become homeless and then be forced to come back to the table and take a bad deal. Now, first of all, I cannot believe that they said this. They took the mask off. They told on themselves bigger than anyone I have ever seen. But also, they are dead fucking wrong because writers are in this for the long haul. We have a strike fund that we use to support other writers who are on hard times. We are raising money for crew members and other people affected by the strike and most importantly we know that if we do not get a fair deal we will not have jobs to go back to so we are not going to leave this picket line we are going to keep withholding our labor until the companies come back to the table and make a fair deal and they're going to do that you know why because they need us every dollar they make begins with us so they are not starving us out we are starving them out and until they come back to the table there will be no writing um, I got, I got to admit when I saw that online, uh, the first, uh, so like before the response that, uh, Adam just did, um, I thought that was a joke. I'm like, there's no way a CEO actually <laughs> said that. I I was like, I couldn't believe that was real. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a shame for sure. Like it definitely blew me away that, but I guess, you know, I, look, there's a part of me that wants, look, I, I've never been in negotiations like that before, Jimmy. But uh, as somebody that has been a part of AMPTP, um, I guess the question I would have is, is, is that is that sort of nor- a normal expectation that um, some s- studio CEOs may, may have? Uh, or like, is that something you've heard of before in the past? Or is this even above and beyond what, what, it, what it takes when it comes to something like a negotiations and how you treat the other side? It was ridiculous, stupid, boneheaded, insulting. And I actually heard that there was an hour-long screaming match within the AMPTP over that, that mm-hmm. somebody went to the press and made that kind of a statement. Um, in, my, in my experience, most of the creative executives in Hollywood are, are fans of writers. Those are their collaborative partners. 
you know, if they if a show goes on the air that I that I've shepherded as an executive and it's a success, a hit, that helps my career. You know, we're protective of the of the writers in that community and appreciative. Uh, but then you have other aspects of that that side of the business, such as the business affairs departments, where you might find some people who are cutthroat and one step removed from from evil. And all I could say about somebody making that statement was I've been out there for four hours a day for for dozens and dozens of days in the heat, you know, doing this march. It just made everybody there pissed off and more dug in like we are not going to stop. You think you're going to take our, our our homes that, you know, um, that was one of the most insulting things I've ever heard in my life. And I think strategically dumb for them, because in the not end, true. they're going to pay more for that statement. I, I totally agree, because I do feel like since that statement, since Fran Drescher's press conference, I feel like there's mm-hmm. just been an abundance of energy. Um, right. You know, the WGA have been on strike since May. They definitely had their energy. It feels like maybe it's kind of waned a little bit. But now that we have an additional strike and these statements continuing to come out, it definitely feels mm-hmm. like these strikes have definitely been revitalized. Um you know, uh, Marcelino says some people don't support the strike because they don't like the current writers uh, and think they should be replaced with newer, better writers. Uh, what is your response to that? I do he's, I do hear a couple of things like that from time to time. It's usually on Twitter, Twitter spaces where it's not really a real world. But, you know, they, I do hear that kind of pushback. Um, what would you say to those people that are, you know, say uh, they, they the writers deserve this? This is an opportunity for them to get rid of them and maybe bring on better writers. Here's here's the thing. Um it's not just about the writers. When I hear this, so does every production start with somebody writing a script? Yes. But the fact is that production represents not just writers, but grips, hair and makeup people, teamsters. There's a, there's a whole community of people that work on, on, these, on these shows. Um, and, and as they start to shorten the seasons or shorten the orders or, or mm. un- undercut what's happening to writers – that well, that affects everybody. Back right. in back in the heyday when I was at the network, orders were typically 22 episodes per season, and and sometimes there'd be extra, going all the way up to 26. That kept everybody employed year round. Mm-hmm. And you know what that meant? If you were on a show that kept coming back, it meant that you could plan your life, and it meant that you had a career. But if you're going to make every job, you know, like Uber, you know, where now. you know, yeah, how does that? Uh, what does that what does that say? Not just for writers, but for everybody else who works in this prof- profession. Are they are they entitled to have a career or not? Like we're th- those kind of fundamental questions, I think, are the questions that are are the are the issue. Yeah, because I, I did read an article that somebody was mentioning that the idea of you know shows did used to go twenty episodes. You know now you're going what six to eight maybe ten right um yep. and then and then you got to try and find your next thing of work and then but guess but guess what they'll have they have an option on you so that you can't <laughs> but you're on a mm-hmm. hold in your contract for x number of months after where you can't get another job if you wanted to so there's wow. less work and less ability to get new work Wow, that's yeah, that's just absolutely outlandish uh, to me, honestly, because, uh, yeah, then then it ends up becoming sort of like like you mentioned, the idea of having to pick up a gig and it's no longer a, a career for you that you can um, stabilize for yourself. And and I, and I also heard um, I think Leslie Jones or somebody had come out and said that I was talking about the health care for like actors and mm-hmm. 
things like that. That I guess for SAG, I think when it comes to healthcare, you have to make at least twenty six thousand a year. Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And like you mentioned, yeah. we're not even talking about the the superstars in Hollywood. We're just talking about your everyday average actors trying to make a living off of this sort of thing. Um, right. It becomes extremely difficult for them to have health care and be able to take care of themselves health wise if you're they're being undercut like this. Correct. Correct. And and again, at the same time, we're talking about this stuff. What's happening within the corporations? Look at how they're compensating their top executives. So something something doesn't add up. You know, um, uh, you don't hear them saying we're in a gig economy as CEOs. I haven't heard that from anyone because they're because they're not. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted the, uh, the WGA negotiations. I wind up pulling this up. Just some of the WGA proposals, the writers mm -hmm. that they were proposing, um, and they were talking about the the cost. It says WGA's proposal would gain writers approximately four hundred and twenty nine million per year. AMPT's offer is approximately eighty six million dollars a year. 48% um, of which is from minimum increase. And I think the SAG is maybe asking, asking for like 2% or something like that. My thing is just like, I just don't understand why, I don't want to say I, I don't understand, but it feels like there's so much more room for a middle ground here uh, that people Absolutely. just aren't even uh, trying to recognize. Yes, I agree. I, I Look, it, it, a lot of it is about uh, positioning and and bluster, right? Who's going to quote unquote look look like they blinked, right? You know, you get into some of some of those issues where if you just look at the math, it's pretty obvious where that what's being asked for is a relative drop in the bucket relative to the revenues of uh, that you know these companies are are earning. Um, but I guess I think on their side, they're they're looking at what quote unquote precedents they're going to be setting. And um, uh, and how whether they're going to look to Wall Street as if they were tough and held the line, you know, and all of those things that have nothing to do with, you know, the reality of the situation that that we're in. Like Fran Drescher said, they really are, I think, on the wrong side of history with this situation right now, because everybody out there is, is affected by a lot of these issues Absolutely. that they didn't know they had in common with writers. It's like, oh, that's that's happening to them. They're doing the same thing to me. They're cutting back on hours and overtime, you know, and cutting out layer whole layers at the bottom while increasing what they pay out to the CEOs. Every everybody's feeling this in industries around the world. Yeah, it definitely feels very much like a moment in history. I mean, I feel like this year, especially maybe towards the tail end of last year, I've I've never seen so many unions going on strikes or you know laborers mm -hmm. sort of really fighting to get what they certainly deserve um and so i do think the idea now that we have somebody like a fran drescher and other big named actors that are coming out and talking about this i definitely do think it will not only put attention for what's happening in hollywood but i'm hoping that it brings attention to just really what's happening all around the world or at least here in this country because uh, it yes. does feel very much like the studio ceos and streamers really focus on what wall street wants and what wall street feels is good and so they're like, yeah, okay, this this must be good. But at the end of the day, is really cutting out the um the, the labor and the people that actually right. work and create that type of stuff. Um, and so this is this doesn't just necessarily go for actors and writers, but really just the right. country as a whole. Yes, yes. Um, 
Man, unbelievable. So let me ask you, Jimmy, like, what's the next sure. step here for you guys? I mean, are, is it just continued striking on the picket lines? Um, if there is anything else that we as people on the outside looking in could do to help, do you have any recommendations or anything like that for us? My, I think my main recommendation would be to keep following developments, stay active on social media let your voice be added to the conversation because I think they do, these companies do respond to public pressure as well. Um, um, uh, so, so if you're, if you're, if you're out, out there making your opinion known on these issues, that's going to help us. Um, we've been saying since the strike writer strike began and now through SAG that the door is open. We're waiting to hear back from these companies they're not they simply aren't responding to the proposals they've not come back with anything they are the ones who are playing a waiting game where we're ready to get a deal done and go back and go back to work and the sooner the better but until if they're going to hold out you know we're 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 going to go all the way with this because i think the miscalculation they they made is that we see this for what it is which is existential you know if and so if we're if we're going out anyway then we're going to then we're prepared to go all the way you know un until we get there we're not we're not going to stop because we've already been pushed out beyond that point you know where things are tough uh, and i think that's the miscalculation that a lot of these companies made that they didn't see the damage that they had already done mm -hmm. um should films not be supported during this time frankie's asking you when you mean um by going to see films uh that are already made that's that's a that's a tough that that's that's a tough choice. I mean, we're not trying to we're we're not trying to make enemies of the people that support us of the fans. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're a fan of something, this is about us and what we need to do. So we're not we can't go out and promote that film that you want to go see. That's on us. But by all means, if if you're a fan of something um uh then con continue to support that thing um i would say uh and then one other question that i have for you and this is comes up for both actors and writers the the issue of ai mm -hmm. um writers worry that ai might um start writing scripts uh we've already heard from the press conference from sag that um one of the proposals i think from ampt was the idea of paying your extras like one day of work and then mm -hmm. scanning you in this system and being able to use yeah. your likeness for like perpetuity and <laughs> things like that. Uh, and I'm sure it's probably didn't happen with just the writers. I mean, with just right. the extras, you know, I'm sure that there are other actors out there that have been kind of scanned. Um, do you know what the proposal is from the actor side or the writer side on how AI should be treated? And do you have any particular views on, uh, what AI could do harm or maybe benefit to a certain extent for actors and writers. Okay. Uh, I'm not an expert on all of the positions on this, um, including the writer skills position, but uh, except just the, the general principle that um, AI should not replace human jobs, right? So um, not that AI can't be used in the process, but that AI should not should not be uh, the, the the main element, um, which, like I said, again, uh, uh, 
replaces a professional professional writer. Um, and that, I think, like I said, is a very basic uh, principle that could apply not just in, in our industry, but across, but across the board. Just because technology makes something possible doesn't mean that you should do it or that it should, it should work in an unfettered way, right? You know, we can make the same argument for bus drivers or truck drivers. You know, again, I think and I hope that through what we're going through that we can establish that precedent in a labor contract that other uh, groups of labor across the country can point to and say, yes, that principle, we're going to work from that, from that principle. We've got to get a handle on this now, or it's, it's over for many people in many professions, including yeah. CEOs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, watch out, you Bob. Know? They might be coming for your job soon one day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, um, I am. Yeah, my mom's coming through. What's up, mom? Uh, she says, man, this, these executives just need to take care of the people who actually put them in the positions to be an executive executive again, ex forgetting who actually made you a CEO. Um, um, rise makes enough money to share the wealth and people who are helping you make the money with their talents. And that's one of the things yeah. I always kind of boggled my mind is like, I don't remember you guys creating anything or actually putting pen <laughs> to paper, right? Like, but yet you, you take all the rewards uh, that come with all the great creativity that writers and actors are certainly putting out. Um, and then the CEOs wind up um, benefiting off of it the most. Um, so yeah, definitely a huge wealth gap that's definitely happening here. So um, um, Stuart, any other, uh, any other clips you had that you want to throw up one last clip? I, I got, <clears throat> I got one more clip but before I uh, play it. I just, um, so something just uh, occurred to me because uh, you mentioned uh, AIs, you know, possibly taking over CEO jobs and it just kind of occurred to me. The job of a CEO is to kind of, you know, make decisions based on, you know, audiences based on what they think audiences want to see and things like that. And I feel like that's something an AI can actually do <laughs> almost mm -hmm. better than a person because they're taking because they're able to look through all the the numbers like on the Internet. So if CEOs aren't going to aren't careful, people are going to catch on to this. People are going to realize, hey, oh, yeah. we don't need CEOs. But, you know, what we do <laughs> right? need. I can tell the difference between um, uh, something written by an AI and something written by a person. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure most people can. So writing cannot be replaced by AIs. But executives kind of can when you think about it. Yes. Hey, you're being unrealistic now. Don't go down that unrealistic <laughs> and shameful road. You know. <laughs> um, uh, last, uh, uh, but this uh, last clip. Oh, sorry. No, go nah, ahead, Stuart. Go ahead. My bad. I was going to say an AI would have put out Bad Girl. <laughs> oh, <what laughs> made this I mean, you might be right. Probably. Might be right, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's test it. Let's find out. Yeah. Let's ask it. Um, so this last clip comes from uh, Ron Perlman. And uh, keep in mind, there, there are a few uh, Hollywood actors out there that I would say are badass, but they're like Hollywood badass. So if like any one of them right. threatened me, I'd be like, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not taking that seriously. Ron Perlman's one of the few exceptions to that. He's one where it's like, if I heard him threaten me, I'd be like, okay, now I'm a little scared. The motherfucker who said we're going to keep this thing going until people start losing their houses and their apartments. Listen to me, mother There's a lot of ways to lose your house. Some of it is financial, some of it is karma, and some of it is just figuring out who the said that, and we know who said that, and where he 
cliffs. There's a lot of ways to lose your house. You wish that on people. You wish that families starve while you're making 27 million dollars a year for creating nothing. Be careful, motherfucker. Be really careful. Because that's the kind of that stirs up. Peace out. Fucking <laughs> Ron Perlman, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's the, same, that's the same reaction I had after watching. I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. I, I got to say, right off the bat, like, I would in no way condone any kind of violence yeah, or anything oh, like no, that right. against, against people. But um, what I what I will say is, though, that anger, like that's what's mm-hmm. fueling people now out there on the streets when we're out there in the heat, walking in circles for hours. You know, that that's what they've tapped into, you know, by their overall kind of callous treatment, their mishandling of this entire situation. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Jimmy. Absolutely. Um, any last questions from um, Indy or Stuart before we go ahead and wrap up? Uh, no, I do have a statement, though, that I want to make um, as being a podcaster and a reviewer. A lot of my success and in income uh, is cu- comes from what writers and actors, you know, what I'm saying produce and what they put on screen. So um, I stand against a lot of the podcasters that are talking about a- actors and writers um, are being too greedy. You know what I'm saying? That they're not as important as they are. When the funny thing is, uh, your channel wouldn't have the views that they have if you weren't talking about the properties and the content that these writers and these actors, you know, created. I don't understand these CEOs. Well, let let me not say that. I understand these CEOs. This has been happening forever. You know, Uh, make as much money you can off the least amount of effort that, you know what I'm saying, you could possibly put into it. Uh, the the question that was asked about get better writers. Maybe writers will write better if they were properly compensated, and they're giving you they're giving you what you deserve to get from how they're being paid because they know they're worth more money. That this this is something that could be easily solved, especially with the money that's made on the top end. It's just that p- people are greedy. Um, America has been greedy forever, and and, it, and it's not going to stop. What will stop is uh, people being screwed over in the end because what they're asking for is a fair deal. They're not asking for the world. They're asking for what they need in order to be able to survive and create this content because it's costing them money. It's costing them time to do and they're not being well compensated back. And it's just crazy in how many aspects, not just with writers and actors, how many aspects in life that this is actually happening when CEOs are just destroying the middleman or the low end of the uh, totem pole that is providing the content for them. Oh, I totally agree with you, Indy. And this is one of those things like they're not asking for much. They're not asking for the world, right? Uh, SAG asking for 2% is a drop in the bucket of what they're making. Like Bob Iker, Bob Iker making $27 million a year. I'm sure he's probably got other deals. And other like other things that are coming in stock, you know, that, that he's getting paid for um, marketing promotions from other companies that he's probably getting paid for on top of that. And you're trying to tell me you can't make what? 15 million bob like you can't make 10 million bob is that gonna take away that your fancy yacht sort of thing right it's mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where they've just become extremely cheap very greedy not wanting to um split you know the rewards uh from 
everybody certainly working together as a team to put them uh, in the position that they are. So it just it, it just boggles my mind that it gets to the point to where we can't even give up two percent of something of an overall uh, revenue in order to help out some of these actors and directors, uh, actors and, and writers. It's pretty disgusting. Yeah, you have billion dollar franchises, billion dollar movies, you know what I'm saying, that are going that aren't because you chose something to happen. It's because actors enjoy the written word that they are acting out. The writers took the time to write that that is inspired by content that was written by writers before that. So it's like pay these people what they deserve because you wouldn't be where you're at if they weren't putting in the work. If you don't have workers, what do you have? Because you're as, as easy as people say it is. Oh, I can make a superhero movie. I can make a sci-fi movie. No, you can't. Because if you could, you would have did it and you would have cut <laughs> all the people out and kept them all the money yourself. Yeah, it's def- yeah. definitely a lot harder. People think it's easy to make a movie. It's it's, it's certainly not for sure. Uh, and I'm sure if James I, can uh, attest to that. Yeah, if I, if I can add in something, because sometimes it helps also to think, think of examples that are just more simpler and obvious. If you look at, let's say, professional sports, I, I think I think the NBA players make something like 40 something percent of the revenue from the NBA and very few people begrudge them what they make because it's obvious what they do. You watch them play and you know that the owners can't get out there on the court and do that. Mm-hmm. So it, it so it's so much more obvious when you look at like elite sports. But but I think it's comparable to. Uh, to the to the entertainment field, which is essentially elite creativity, you know, um, and and on those grounds, like you said, these folks, if they could suit up and go out there and do it themselves, they would, but they can't. Um, but but for whatever for whatever reasons, maybe just because it's just the personalities of of writers and those types of creative people, which tend to be more stand kind of standoffish, and we're, mm-hmm. we we can kind of take take it a little more. Where you're not going to get that in professional sports, you know, from from right. that mentality, um, they've just kind of taken advantage too much. But 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 they've pushed these kind of sheepish people into the corner, and now you see the nanny come out swinging. You know, <laughs> you see you you see what's what's there inside inside of us that they're forcing out of us now um, in this in this tough situation. And I never really followed Fran so much after the nanny, but I got to tell you, man, I'm a Big, big, big uh, supporter of hers now again. Uh, she definitely yeah. won me over with this. I, I love her passion behind it. And I definitely hope um, the writers and the actors eventually do get what they certainly uh, deserve. And hopefully these CEOs will eventually pay attention. But I think you're right. I think social pressures will definitely come uh, into play. You got something else, Cindy? I'm hoping uh, because of a question that uh, Marcelino asked. He asked, how will the strike affect comic book writers and novelist writers? Um, to me, I feel like it affects them in different ways and what's going on one because a lot of comic book writers are eating off of their content being developed into some type of mainstream whether it's television or anything like that that's the big boom right now so it's going to affect their bottom line and what they're doing and what they're trying to write to but what i want to see them do is just go ahead and get out there you know what i'm saying and strike with you know what i'm saying everybody else because uh it is going to affect them too in the long run and it's the solidarity of writers because uh, when when you're down to it, I think uh, Mark Bernardin said it the best on um, the the Batman Beyond, you know what I'm saying, podcast with Kevin Smith. Uh, when it comes down to the bare bones, a writer is a writer. And we're, we're all trying to achieve uh, making our thing, you know what I'm saying, into something bigger. And 
if they're willing to screw over the writers who are writing for their movies or their television, you know what I'm saying? What are they going to do to comic book or novelist writers when they look at it? Because if they look at them at the bottom of the barrel, how do they look at us? Hmm. Yeah, no, I totally feel you there, man. That's um, powerful stuff, man, overall. But um, Jimmy, thank you so much, man, for um, <laughs> pay the writers, Holly Weird. <laughs> Thanks, Tony, for certainly coming through. <laughs> um, but Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us here today. Sure. man. It's been so insightful, very eye-opening. Uh, we'd love to have you back on the show to definitely pick pick your brains, not just on the strike, but hopefully other things in the future as well. Oh. Um, but uh, at Stuart Indy, any last questions or comments you want to make to Jimmy before he leaves? I just want to say I wish uh, like all the writers, all the actors striking out there the best luck. I really look forward to seeing like what positive changes this is going to make. Um, and I just I hope for the best because I know that, yeah, there's definitely going to be some, you know, struggling actors and writers out there. So I just, you know, hopefully everyone just looks out for each other. And uh, in the end, you know, hopefully the long run in the end game, this is going to make uh, just Hollywood like a better place, you know, for people who are actually like trying to make a living and be able to do what they love for a living you know thank you thank you very much Stuart and adam you know thank you guys for 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 listening and all of your support we really appreciate it yeah of course anytime jimmy um but uh thank you so much guys um thank you everybody jimmy but they are ladies and gentlemen <laughs> all right well uh, i'll talk with you later uh jimmy okay all right man take right, care thank you. i appreciate it have a good one are you too all right, wonderful guys. Um, so if anything, um, wow, uh, I'm so glad on. I was let's, able to get my cousin on here, like for sure. Let's thank him. Let's huh? thank him properly for coming on. You know what I'm saying and doing that because I can tell you right now, it's an inspiration seeing somebody. Don't don't. Want, I'm gonna go there. It, it's an inspiration to see somebody who looks like me. You know what I'm saying? Be in the rooms and be in the position. You know what I'm saying that he has because normally when you look at that, you don't see people that look like us, Adam. You know what I'm saying? You see the Bob Igers and everybody else, you know what I'm saying, uh, doing those types of things. So that that just gives me inspiration that uh, I'm on the right path, you know what I'm saying, to succeed in what I want to succeed in. You know, I will say this, too. I, I You know, going through Jimmy's Wikipedia page, I don't know if he's ever checked this out himself. It, on his Wikipedia page, it just says, as a former head of current programming for UPN, he was among the handful of Amer African-American writer. Uh, excuse me. He is among a handful of African-Americans to head a programming department at a broadcast network during that time. So um, very much um, making history at the same time. But, uh, yeah, J uh, Jimmy's been incredible. And I've honestly like I've been so impressed with what he's been able to do um that like for me it's always been intimidating sometimes to kind of reach out to him honestly just because it's one of those things where it's like i'm trying to create something for myself also and i know that he was certainly trying to do the same thing in his life but sometimes you know it's one of those things especially as family you know like you don't want to come across as the person that's like uh trying to get by on somebody else's work or name or something like that you know what i mean when in reality it just comes from a love of what he's doing the fact that he got me into this nerd type of stuff but it's hard it, it was definitely hard for a long period of time for me to kind of express that but uh, i'm so thankful for the opportunity that over the past couple of years him and i have been more active been more vocal talking with each other and really being open to doing stuff like this um so uh jimmy it's, it's super appreciative for everything that uh, you, you've done so thank you so much for that um it was definitely a very um very pleasurable to have him on here man and i hope you viewers at home certainly learned a little bit something here today as well um, but all right, guys, I think that will do it for that main topic today. Uh, and if anything, uh, you guys ready to move on to our next one?
Yeah. Let's get to the sh- I almost forgot what the next topic was. We were, we were talking for so long. We were talking for so long. Um, but all right, next topic up that we're going to get into today, guys, um, that's going to be some DCU. DC Studios is back in the news. James Gunn making some headlines here um, before the strike ever happened earlier this week. It was one of those things where we started getting a bunch of reveals this week, Monday and Tuesday. And I was thinking to myself, maybe they're doing these reveals to kind of get ahead of the San Diego comic con stuff that's about to happen now i'm very much just looking at it as they just simply wanted to promote as much stuff as they possibly can before the strike winds up happening uh but they did a fantastic job because i think it was either monday or tuesday we got ourselves a plethora of brand new casting announcements for the upcoming superman legacy movie now we've already been introduced to david corin sweat who's going to be our new clark kent aka superman we also got introduced to rachel brosnahan who's also going to be our brand new Lois Lane as well. But now, guys, our DCU is officially being populated with more superheroes. Um, So let's go ahead and dive into this article. We got a couple of them for you guys today. Uh, This one, I think, is going to come from Vanity Fair, uh, as they are, in fact, the ones that revealed Superman Legacy cast um, uh, Isabella Merced, Edie Gathigi, and Nathan Fillion, this is an exclusive, uh, as they are in fact set to portray the characters Hawk Girl, Mr. Terrific, and everybody's favorite Green Lantern, Guy Gardner here. Um, uh, it does say Superman Legacy movie will mark the live action rebirth of the DC Universe. Um, they've added three new actors to its cast, each of them playing a superhero with a long history in the comic books. Uh, so let me go ahead and pull this up. The first one uh, we had, and we did a news flash for you guys earlier this week. Uh, first one that we had, where did my article go? Um, Isabel Merced will play Hawk Girl. We also got Eddie Gathigy, who will play Mr. Fent, uh, Mr. Terrific. And then Nathan Fillion will portray Green Lantern. Um, it does say here uh, in an exclusive variety fair, uh, DC Studios reveals the new addition, Merced, best known for playing the besieged drug cartel daughter in Sicario's sequel, and the ever exploring title character Dora. Um, she she actually played Dora the Explorer in the live action movie. Will soar into the new universe as the winged warrior Hawk Girl. The heroes battle. Um, the hero's favorite battle accessories are me- melee weapons, swords, spears, and maces. Uh, and Mercedes, who is five foot one size, will set her apart from her typical comic book brawler. Uh, they also talk about uh, Gathegi, uh, who played the double dealing vampire Laurent in um, the Twilight films. And you can also catch him as Darwin in X Men's First Class. He will take on the role of Mr. Terrific, aka Michael Holt, who is not only a skilled combatant, but one with the most brilliant inventors and tacticians uh, orbited by the floating T spheres weapons he designed. Uh, among his superpowers is his otherworldly intellect. On the sleeve of his jacket is the phrase fair play, which is a tribute to the catchphrase of an earlier version of the Mr. Terrific character, as well as statement of belief. And then, of course, finally, we've got Nathan Fillion, a mainstay of Guns Movies, who starred in the di- um, director's first movie, Slither. Uh, he was also popped up recently in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, and then he was also as TDK, if I'm not mistaken, in the Suicide Squad movie. Um so, yeah, he will, in fact, be playing 
Guy Gardner's Green Lantern. So um, some big developments here. Uh, let me uh, remove Indy in the meantime until he comes back. So some big developments here. And trust me when I say we got more, but I want to dive into just these three at first. Um, Stuart, out of the three casts that we have, um, the first three that wind up coming, uh, who jumps out to you the most that you want to talk about first? I guess uh, we'll talk about the Nathan Fillion one because, um, you know, it's really funny. Back, ever since the Green Lantern animated movie, not to be confused with the one that came out like the next year with Ryan Reynolds, but there was an animated Green Lantern movie where I believe it was Nathan Fillion who uh, voiced uh, Green Lantern in that movie. Ever since then, though, um, I should probably double check that. I, I know that he definitely voiced Green Lantern in something, but ever since then, it's been this awesome idea that, you know, he would make such a great Hal Jordan, and I've always agreed with that. However, years have gone by, and right now I feel like, you know, when it comes to comic book movies, you really want to cast, like, younger actors, especially when it comes to really big roles that you really see franchise material for. However... Guy Gardner, though. Guy Gardner is a character that I don't necessarily want to see be erased from the DC universe, but he's also not exactly the most important Green Lantern out there. Mm -hmm. So he's one that's kind of cool to just have around, but not really give his own movie to. So I think the idea of him uh, being kind of a, a like a character that will exist in this universe, played by Nathan Fillion. And just kind of, uh, you know, it's unless I'm wrong, maybe people will love him so much he'll get his own uh, Green Lantern movie. But I'm kind of doubting that for now. For now, it kind of just looks like the plan is to keep him as kind of a side character in this DC universe going forward. I think that's the perfect role for Guy Gardner. And I think Nathan Fillion playing that role, uh, especially with James Gunn directing his first appearance, I think is going to be brilliant, especially because like the two of them always work really well together. I loved him in that cameo in Guardians 3. And then, of course, you know, in Slither, he was great um so yeah yeah i know i totally agree with you i think the idea of getting nathan fillion as guy gardner definitely suggests something along those lines because of the fact that he is an older character uh, or he is an older actor playing guy gardner i think a lot of us maybe assume that he would be um somebody that might be younger um but if anything um because i think just based off of some of the casting announcements that we had from the previous like green lantern tv show and things like that we thought that that was maybe like a younger route of something that they kind of wanted to go with um but now seeing nathan fillion in here as guy gardner i'm i'm under the assumption with you Stuart, that he might be great as like a supporting character or a signed character but maybe not somebody that they would give a full-fledged green lantern movie too i mean that could certainly change but i do think that their focus and their main focus will be on that lanterns tv series where you've got hal jordan along with um john stewart in there sort of as that true detective vibe if you will and then eventually maybe bringing those characters to kind of the big screen like for me when i think of nathan fillion stewart as guy gardner i think of like a man sort of trapped in time um, like I can still see him, even though it's 2023 rocking the bulk bowl cut that he had since the eighties or nineties. I, uh, you know, I can see that maybe he hasn't fully come around to political correctness yet. <laughs> you know, like just that guy that's just stuck in that era. Um, I can see Nathan Fillion sort of playing that type of guy, uh, like an asshole, but you kind of like him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he can bring such a fantastic balance to it. And, um, so I, yeah, I do think it's a good choice for Guy Gardner, but I can understand some people that might have pushback of the idea of Nathan Fillion being a little bit older, but I think that's because of the type of character they really want their Guy Gardner to be. 
And I think, uh, you know, going to James Gunn again, I think he's perfect to direct a character like that if that's the route they decide to go for. Because, like, looking at Peacemaker alone, how right. they were able to take, you know, a guy who personally came off as super unlikable, you know, in Suicide Squad. But then by the end of the show, I'm like, wow, I actually really like him now. <laughs> so, like, you know, you can do a character. If you can make a character like Peacemaker likable the way uh, James Gunn did, I'm I, I'm really excited to see what he does with uh, Guy Gardner. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Me too. Uh, and then we had Isabella Merced, I believe is her name, um, our former Dora the Explorer. I personally haven't had the opportunity to check out that movie. I don't know if you've ever checked out Dora, but I think it definitely surprised people that did get the opportunity to see it and thought it was actually a lot better than uh, most people suggested. Um, it's not a film that I've personally seen, but I think it's a great opportunity for her. And if anything, this does make me wonder, just based off of the Vanity Fair uh, article that we had which version of hawk girl um are we gonna get out of this one right the kendra saunders one are we gonna get uh was it sheila hall i can't remember her first name uh, unfortunately like the one that's gets reincarnated um is she a thangarian warrior i i am kind of curious as to which route that they're that they're gonna go here with hawk girl but i dig the idea of um of hawk girl being in here uh, but it does open up a lot of other questions like Where's Aldous Hodge as uh, as Hawkman? Is he going to be coming back sort of thing? Or is Hawkgirl going to be your prevalent character in here? But uh, I'm, I dig I dig the choice of Hawkgirl. I really do. Yeah, I, I really hope that they bring back, um, yeah, the previous actor that played him in Black Adam. Even if they don't want Black Adam to be part of like the new DC universe going forward. I think the casting that they had for, um, for you know, for him and then, of course, for Darth dr fate were really cool so i would hope that we could see them come back and reprise their roles in a future uh like jsa movie or something um uh, does say well i find it interesting is that isabel is 10 years younger than all this so maybe that hints towards um hawkman being recast um who knows i don't know what the age that they're going to be going for when it comes to hawk girl um maybe movie wise they're a lot closer than we assume um you know we have heard before james gunn saying that um some actors may be returning to reprise their roles but I'm, i would assume if anything they may act a little bit different because uh, i I'm, I'm assuming these are brand new earths and worlds that we're on um so whether or not aldous hodge returns as hawkman that i'm not sure of i would definitely would like him to because i think out of a especially out of the Black Adam movie, if there was sort of any um, saving grace. I thought the JSA were great in that movie, uh, and I absolutely would love to see Aldous Hodge back as Hawkman. Uh, but if we can't have Hawkman for some time, I think Hawkgirl is just as great of a pickup here. So uh, uh, kudos to Isabella Merced for um, landing that role. And then we've got Edie uh, Gathegji. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering this man's name. I'm just going to call him Eddie for now. Um, but um, Mr. Darwin, who unfortunately the mutant that couldn't get killed, did get killed uh, in X-Men First Class, but now is getting the opportunity to um, sort of um, uh, I don't I don't want to say it's like save things for himself, but he's coming back in um, in superhero form as he's going to be Mr. Terrific in this. And James Gunn over the past several months has hinted at Mr. Terrific being in the dcu on his twitter account he had several posts where he did post pictures of mr terrific so it kind of all comes full circle here as mr terrific will be in this movie as well uh and i think this opens up a lot of doors for the dcu Stuart, do you would you see these three being added in here does this concern you in regards to maybe this world being overstuffed 
Or, you know, how could you see them handling somebody like a Mr. Terrific or some any of these characters in this upcoming movie? Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. That's the one part that kind of uh, worries me about this movie is, uh, you know, three uh, superheroes that to me are kind of unrelated. Like, yes, uh, I think mm -hmm. all three of those members at one point or another have been on the uh, Justice League, of course. But I can't think of any time where it was like... Uh, uh, then again, it's not like I read every Justice League comic book out there, so I'm sure there probably is one that someone could prove me wrong about. But I can't think of a time there was a story where it was the three of them, you know, teaming up or anything like that. Um, so it just it feels like a really random combo. And I think my biggest worry is that uh, this it, it kind of looks like the same mistake that a lot of cinematic universes have uh, made uh, when they try to jump off, um, you know, kickstart their universe. So like the Mummy, for example, with Tom Cruise, uh, you know, the fact that it oh. wasn't just a Mummy movie. They also wanted to uh, set up uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They had to set up like this uh, weird version of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's like, you know, the Universal Monster Movie version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's you know, it was so much that they didn't even want to make just a, a straight up mummy movie. They had to make it all these other things. And that's just, you know, one of the reasons it didn't work. Um a few other cinematic universes have made this, even DC Universe made this mistake. The DCEU made that mistake with Dawn of Justice. So uh, that is one thing that kind of worries me. The um, I know James Gunn kind of said from the beginning that this is not going to be like a Marvel thing where Marvel kind of was like, like when it started with Iron Man, it was almost like it could take place in the real world, um, you know, mm. until you got to the Iron Man aspect of it. But it almost felt like with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they took the real world and slowly formed it into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Uh, whereas DC, James Gunn has straight up said from the beginning, this is a complete fantasy world, a fully developed universe that we're going into. Um, and that's why, you know, we're starting with Superman already in his, you know, days as Superman. So I get what he's going for there i'm just worried because other cinematic universes have tried this and it hasn't worked out in their favor uh there's a reason marvel's the only one that's still like going you know strong as it is so worried but you know still optimistic if that makes sense yeah no i i totally understand you there um for me, I think the idea of jumping into a DCU world that's already populated and established is really exciting for me. Um, I kind of dig the idea and the concept of maybe be able to see like news reports or a newspaper article of like uh, past, uh, you know, other heroes from different cities uh, having, you know, saved the day or in trouble sort of thing. Like I kind of dig the idea that there's already stuff going on around us um, as we're just kind of plopped into this world. Um, like when I think of the addition of somebody like a, a Mr. Terrific. Like I, I think of like Superman needing to do some, I don't want to say reconnaissance work, but, you know, do get some information, get some intel, if you will. And homeboy's got to go to Star Labs briefly to get some information. And as he gets to Star Labs, he sees somebody like Mr. Terrific that maybe describes or opens up the concept of the the multiverse and like other worlds and things like that. Um, you know, I, I can literally see him with like a five minute, uh, screen time, if you will, um, five, 10 minutes screen time, and then just moving on, like being a part of the movie to help progress the story, but then allowing somebody like Superman and Lois to really be the focal point and continue on with the, the, the main, uh, the main story itself. So, you know, when I look at, I, I get the concern that people definitely have towards it. So I don't want to dismiss it. But if anything, if I could reassure some people, maybe it would just be if I look at James Gunn's past work, the guy's great when it comes to ensemble casts. You know, like I don't think it's many 
uh, writers, directors out there that work so well with a big group of people, whether that be main actors, supporting characters sort of thing. Um, you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, you look at Suicide Squad. I think he gives everybody that's part of the main story their fair shake, a great balance to their stories. Um, but I think he also knows how to utilize supporting characters that are there to help push the story forward, but not be the main uh, focus or take away from the story. So um, just looking at his past work, I definitely do trust James Gunn, but I, I'm very much aware as to why people uh, certainly feel the way that they do. Uh, and so if you thought this was the only casting announcements that we had, Guy Gardner, Mr. Terrific, and Hawkgirl, you would be wrong, unfortunately, uh, because we also wind up getting uh, Anthony Carrigan, wind up joining the cast also is he going to be playing a character i honestly never thought i'd get the opportunity to see in live action in metamorpho um he's going to be um jumping on board as well this comes to us from the hollywood reporter let me go ahead and bring up um this information for you guys oh was that hollywood reporter i think i got the wrong one here we go um, Hollywood Reporter Superman Legacy nabs Barry star Anthony Carrigan as the DC hero Metamorpho. Um, it says, after finding his Clark Kent and Lois, uh, James Gunn is moving furiously to populate his met, uh, metropolis with a bevy of other DC heroes. Anthony Carrigan, fresh off an Emmy nomination for his standout work in HBO's Barry, has been cast as classic DC character Metamorpho, a.k.a. archaeologist turned hero Rex Mason. He joins the feature that will uh, formally launch the DC's new universe uh, that they have right now. And they also mentioned the idea of the other three actors as well. Uh, Anthony Carrigan did come out and uh, make a statement in regards to it. He says, um, uh, it'll certainly be a bit of a jump. Uh, I'm excited to shake things up. Noho Hank is such a specific character, and I'm excited to play someone completely different and surprise people um, uh with just being unrecognizable. Um, it says, uh, I was able to find things that I just love about the character. Uh, he's so low-key incredible. I'm surprised that more people haven't heard of him. I think he's one of the coolest characters out there. So to bring him to light is something really special and also really, really unique. Uh, so it seems as though uh, Anthony Carrigan is um, pretty hyped uh, to get this uh, opportunity to go ahead and play Metamorpho. Uh, and I think uh, another big win. And, you know, Anthony, if anything, he's got a pretty um, substantial track record, I think, with working with WB. Um, he was in the Gotham series, if I'm not mistaken, that was on Fox. And I think he also played maybe one or two several characters from the um, um, the Flash series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, you guys might have to correct me on that. But uh, where have you seen Anthony Carrigan in any of his past work? And uh, what are your thoughts about the idea of Metamorpho being brought to life? What do you think, Indy? I've always been a fan of Metamorpho um, as a character um, just because of powers and uh, backstory. So mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those characters like Santana that I really want to see uh, on screen. So I was excited to see this announcement. Um the the actor that's honestly going to play him i wasn't too familiar with but if you just look at him and look at the character i feel that the fit as far as look is there for the character you know what i'm saying itself so i'm i'm looking forward to this this is one casting and one announcement that has me super excited that and the guy gardner 
you know what I'm saying, uh, announcement. So, hey, I'm all for it. Yeah, and um, for those of you wondering, Metamorpho, um, there is a connection with him and Mr. Terrific, I believe. I don't know how recent this comic book series is, but apparently there's a DC comic called The Terrifics. Um, I don't know if uh, I don't I don't believe it's an ongoing series any longer, but I believe Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, Plastic Plastic Man, and I think somebody else were teammates in there. Uh, and I think they I think um Metamorpho and maybe also Guy Gardner might have shared uh, membership on Justice League International, if I'm not mistaken, back in the 90s also. So um, there definitely is some connection between Metamorpho and a couple of these other DCU characters. Uh, but I would be interested to see him working alongside somebody like Mr. Terrific uh, in the bigger scheme of things. But I, I, I love the choice of Metamorpho in here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for this casting. Um, I'm very curious because in uh, the Justice League animated series, one of Metamorpho's like uh, elements that he's able to kind of morph into is kryptonite. So there's a scene where he nearly uh, kills Superman. Um, and I'm wondering if we might see something like that in this movie, if that was the reason Metamorpho's in this is because mm. he can like literally produce like kryptonite radiation. And if he's going to use that against Superman, if we get like a fight between him and superman i'm kind of curious do you know if he could turn into what is that nth nth metal oh um i actually have no idea uh i, I was that that's one of the things i didn't go i didn't go lie to you i was thinking the same thing so like i'm on a google search right now so like he could turn into nth metal uh dark knight metal would have got a whole lot different if Metamorpho <laughs> was in more um <laughs> no but i was actually looking up to see when that run was for the terrifics and it was uh March 1st, 2018 through September 1st, 2020. It was 30 uh 30 issues. And it was uh Miss Terrific Metamorpho, Plastic Man, and Phantom Girl joined forces Phantom to escape Girl. the dark unit multiverse. Okay. So um that that's honestly fairly in, in comic speak, that's fairly new. That that mm -hmm. was a fairly new run. And 30 issues either meant um it was really good, like a year and a half run, or it was yeah. really bad. Well, that's actually like two and a half years run almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Lawrence uh, for being here with us. Uh, he says uh, James Gunn is cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we haven't even gotten our Lex Luthor cast yet, or at least a Lex Luthor announcement. Uh, we're still waiting on that one for sure. Um, he also says um, Anthony Carrigan played the Mist in The Flash. Uh, so if you guys remember that character as well. Uh, Marcelino also says Metamorpho and Mr. Terrific being included could hint at a possible terrific spinoff. It might even be the best Fantastic Four movie. Uh, yeah, you might be on to something, Marcelino. Uh, we'll see. I, I think it'd be dope if he um, eventually. I do think Mr. Fan, Mr. Terrific, in some point in time, will get his own movie. Maybe not solo, but I do think we might get a team movie at some point. What you thinking, Indy? Uh, Metamorpho is transmuted into Nith Metal by Simon Stagg as part of his plot to open a portal into the dark multiverse. Oh, okay. I would be interested to see what, um, yeah, I would be interested to see what Mr. Terrific and Metamorpho might be working on uh, or discovering here in Superman Legacy. I, I dig the idea if they were uh, talking about the multiverse, that definitely would just open up a, a ton of doors and further opportunities for future storylines that they could definitely uh, go down if they want to, like Justice League Incarnate, um, you know, maybe making connections with other multiversal characters, 
Um, but you know, look, one, one of the things that I will say is I've been so outspoken about, I'm kind of over the multiversal kind of movies right now. I definitely just want to enjoy like a standalone comic book character movie. Uh, and while I do believe Superman legacy will definitely be like that, I'm not expecting it to be like civil war level or like a big crossover event. Like we're bringing all these characters together for a particular, um, uh, you know, villain that they have to face off as a space off against. I definitely do see them very much sort of as just that side um those side characters uh adam did you see all the hate on twitter people saying gun is overstuffing his universe like snyder i i i see the comparisons i see i see the idea of what people are saying i personally don't agree i personally don't agree but i do want to pick your brain indy how do you feel about it um i think the thing with went on with snyder was snyder was stuffing characters for the meaning of doing like the team up you know what i'm saying type thing where there was a an end in sight and it just happened too quickly i feel if snyder would have paced his stuff out further maybe had a couple of more movies before you tried to do the team up because it was a thing it felt i don't know if they were really doing this but it felt like they were trying to keep up what marvel was doing not knowing that marvel had been do had like a 10-year plan and what they were doing and did the individual movies in order to support the the avengers uh grouping up i feel as a jane gunn is taking more of a a marvel approach to what it's going to be I don't think you're going to run into like, oh, my God, here's the Justice League. You know what I'm saying? Next year, um, he's going to develop each one of these characters, going to have a personality, going to have that growth. Yes, you will have some interacting because I don't care what anybody says. It's a superhero universe. If you see Superman, he's not going to be the only superhero in the world. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be stuff going on. They might not interact, but uh, the world should be open to other people being around. Is he stuffing it? I don't think so. I don't think Blue Beetle feels like it's going to be stuffed into a universe. I don't feel like Superman Legacy feel like it's going to be stuffed into the universe. I feel like they stand alone well enough, but they have the realization that there is a universe, mm -hmm. not that he's trying to stuff a bunch of stuff into it. Yeah, no, I I definitely understand your point of view for sure. Um, I totally agree. Um, so yeah, I'm look. I'm sure some people are going to be worried. But I do think James Gunn has a track record to show that, hey, even if, if it comes to a lot of characters, he knows how to balance them out extremely well. I think he's using them just to prove the point of, hey, we have superheroes in this world. Uh, but I do think it will very much be a Superman yeah. and Lois movie for sure. There was definitely a lot of characters stuff into Suicide Squad and Guardians of the Galaxy to the point where you at times you feel like there's a lot of stuff going on. But think about the individual developments of each one of those characters you ended up feeling for each individual character you felt you felt pain for a character that said group all the time <laughs> yeah that's the talent of uh james gunn for sure um but yeah guys let us know your thoughts um four huge casting announcements this week hawk girl mr terrific guy gardner metamorpho all joining the DCU. Here's a beautiful image of actually they don't have Metamorpho's image up here so far, but these are technically our um, DCU characters that we have populating this world. Um, James Gunn has mentioned Jolo will be their Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle will be in their DCU. Uh, it may be its own standalone movie. I don't know if that's going to be necessarily canon to his DCU, but the character itself is Blue Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle will definitely be brought over to the DCU. Um, but a nice little, um, and again, Metamorpho is not even on this list, but a nice little cast, if you ask me, guys. Um, you mean he's going to use the same actor that was established in a role in order to bring it over into his DCU and make him that role? 
That's what it sounds. I believe that's what James Gunn said. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's, <laughs> that, there's a reason to flash bomb at the box office. <laughs> the, um, okay. uh, I, I'm also kind of curious. So, like, we have the Aquaman movie uh, coming out too, um, but we also kind of like see that Aquaman is still like in that DCEU universe at the very end of Flashpoint. So, I'm kind of wondering if that's actually going to be the very last DCEU movie. And uh, so, it'll be kind of like we go to Blue Beetle, which is DCU, and then we have one last DCEU movie with uh, Aquaman. I'm wondering if that's how they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels that way. Um, he's been pretty open about that. Superman Legacy will be the beginning of that DCU canon. Um, I know we also have two television series, Waller, along with Creature Commandos, that do play, I believe, into the bigger world. Um, but movie-wise, I think the kickoff is for Superman Legacy. I, I, I honestly don't expect them to be promoting um, Aquaman 2 very much um i mean look we got the strike now also so they can't even be promoting any of these movies i think jolo Maraduena, who plays jaime reyes literally said like yeah i can't uh, i can't promote my movie anymore um now that he's on strike so uh, i i wonder if, if warner brothers is just like look let's just get these movies out uh let's wash our hands of this stuff and just kind of move on um so i am kind of curious if there'll be any sort of promotion for aquaman too um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts on the current DCU. Are you worried and concerned about all these characters? Do you think James Gunn's got it in the bag? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below. Um, and speaking of promoting, um, we got ourselves a bunch of trailers here this week. Also, guys, again, all, all these studios promoting their stuff before the strike. Uh, this is probably their last trailers that we might get the opportunity to see. Um, I don't know. Maybe they can still drop trailers i don't know what studios can and can't do uh, i just know the actors can't portray them uh, lauren says lost kingdom is gonna flop hard probably man probably um you, i'm, I'm kind of hoping blue beetle doesn't flop hard i really want people to go out and support blue beetle for sure but um the box office trajectory has just that. been yeah and and the box office trajectory has just been terrible um so yeah. i'm not expecting aquaman 2 to repeat its billion dollar performance Man, you no. you do not understand the power of a shirtless jason momoa <laughs> i mean maybe i don't i mean <laughs> maybe i don't i mean if this movie makes a build another billion dollars or at least i would say i think if this movie makes a high 700 million something warner brothers has got to be happy with that take that money and run mm -hmm. Um, it may not be a billion, but uh, yeah, that would be probably the power of Jason Momoa's shirtless. You might be right, Indy, yeah. if it makes that type of money. Maybe that'll be like kind of the definitive factor. If it does well, it's a DCU movie. If it flops, it's the <laughs> finale for the DCEU. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just trying to wash their hands of it. If it, but, um, if it, if it flops, it's because the rock like Aquaman. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, so we got ourselves four new trailers here this week um, for us to dive into. I don't know if you've all caught all of them. I think I might have watched. Uh, let's just knock this one out of the way first. Twisted Metal, a uh, series that Indy's looking forward to reviewing for you guys at some point in time. Um, Twisted Metal coming to us from Anthony Mackie. We finally got ourselves our first full trailer from this series. Um, did this get you uh, hyped for uh, a little bit more, Indy, or what? I was worried that this show was going to have no type of story at all. Like, I had <laughs> no idea what they were going to do with it. I didn't know, because uh, Twisted Metal, to me, this is me playing it as a kid. I don't remember a storyline in Twisted Metal until Twisted Metal Black. And then uh -huh. when I saw the first, like, teaser, I was like, 
well, that's not the sweet tooth from Twisted Metal Black. So what is going on here? I'm actually loving the concept and what they're doing as in they have runners to go from place to place. They get paid to run, you know what I'm saying, stuff to the cities that are afloat. And it just makes so much sense that they you're, you're running through territories, you know. And mm. to me, this is it's inspired by a bunch of things, you know what I'm saying, that goes on. But uh, if they have any of the action like times two that Death Race had and can make this somewhat believable, this show is going to be freaking amazing. And you'll possibly see a resurgence of, you know what I'm saying, Twisted Metal, which I think this is one of the things they're doing is testing the water just to see how interested people are in this, to see if we see a return to the series. And I, I, I want to twist the metal so bad. And Anthony Mackie deserves to get his flowers. He's been doing this for a long time. He's like a young Samuel L. Jackson. He's been in a <laughs> bunch of movies that he doesn't get credit for, you know, and d- deserves to, to lead, you know what I'm saying, different stuff. He's got Captain America, New World. That's the new title, right? Because they keep new changing. World. Uh, Brave, 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 Brave New World. Brave New uh-huh. World. Yeah, yeah, they'll change it again next week probably. Um, he, he's got that. He's got this. This man deserves to just succeed, you know what I'm saying, in life. He's one of those actors who I feel um, doesn't get enough credit for what he does because he does everything right. There's no controversy around him, so he doesn't yeah. get the big publicity that other people get. Yeah, I do feel that way about Anthony Mackie. Um, I, I I hope we get more trailers uh, and more insight into um, uh, this particular series because like you, when I saw this trailer, I was thinking to myself, did Twisted Metal ever have a storyline? I was like, I don't remember ever hearing about a storyline. So the fact that they made him a runner to go between these two cities, I was like, that's pretty cool. I was like, I guess that's a, I guess that's the Twisted Metal storyline. I really didn't know, but I always assumed they didn't really have one. So the fact that you confirmed that for me, I, I feel like I'm thank you for making me not feel like I went crazy there for a minute. But the humor is definitely there. I love Anthony Mackie's delivery on the line of like, you know, I'll give you whatever you want. And he's like, two, two ply toilet paper. And he's like, think bigger. Three, Three ply? ply? <laughs> like, I just, it just made me, I just died laughing. It was just, I, I can't wait to get into the world. It, it looks fun. Um, I wasn't that excited for it, but the humor definitely feels like it hits. And the trailer does have me intrigued. So um, I, I want to see more to see if I'm really going to dive on board. But I thought this was a, a great first trailer to, to to get people excited. What about you, Stuart? Did you, how did you feel about this, though? So I only played a little bit of Twisted Metal back in the day, so I'm not super uh, familiar with the story. Um, but just looking at the cast, looking at the uh, production of the show, it definitely looks like something very intriguing. Loving Anthony uh, Mackie, and then I also, of course, love uh, Stephanie Beatrice. Both of them amazing, oh, yeah. so I'm excited to see the two of them in the show working together. Um, and then it's weird. Okay, so I think I saw an actor I really like in the trailer, but I can't like find – oh, what? I, I thought you was gonna skip over Nev Campbell and just totally disrespect her like that too. Oh, oh, uh, oh, Nev Campbell's well, in there, huh? That's yeah. right. I forgot she was in the trailer. Well, not, not, not her. There was someone else that I saw. Um, I forgot his name, but he was funny enough. Also in Brooklyn Nine Nine, he played like the oh Jason uh Mant uh Mantuzukas. Mant- I don't know. I, I swear I thought I saw him in the teaser, but I cannot find him on IMDb like in this movie. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if it's just someone who looks like him. But regardless, it looks like it's going to be a fun series. So I will definitely be checking it out when it comes out. Oh, and give the, it up. Get, I'm sorry. Give it up for AW and Samoa Joe being the perfect yeah. body double for Sweet Tooth. 
Yeah, I was oh, gonna. Yes. I was gonna ask. So he's doing the body double, but Will Hart, Will Arnett, his name? Hart, Arnett is Arnett. doing the um, voice. Doing the voice, yeah. That's, that's gonna be interesting to see how that comes together. But I've liked the sweet tooth scenes that we've seen so far. So uh, I love yeah. Will Arnett's voice. Uh, it's freaking hilarious. So I, I can't wait. <laughs> um, and then we also wind up getting a trailer for Wonka. Um, Timothy Chalamet is gonna be playing Willy Wonka here. This is gonna be a prequel um to the willy wonka franchise um before he became the chocolate man um we wind up getting ourselves a trailer for it here this past week uh I, i'm have you guys checked out the trailer at all have you seen this one bro this yeah. trailer this trailer sold me on this um i'm i'm kind of upset because now i feel like the johnny Depp led uh wonka should have been a prequel like I feel like they wasted that was Johnny Depp, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they wasted that movie just being a retelling, you know what I'm saying, of the same story. Because to me, uh wasn't that a Char- wasn't that a sequel? Nope. No, nope. It, it was, was a retelling. A, it was, okay. It was a retelling. I feel like the original movie was perfect. Yeah, I, remember. I didn't want a sequel. Having a prequel to me would have been good in order to lead to a sequel because I feel like it would have uh led you to have more. Uh, understanding on why Wonka did things to uh, define a sequel, you know what I'm saying, happening because the character would have been more developed. Um, Timothy Chalamet can do no wrong right now, except for who he dates at times. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to him in his role. But more than anything, more than anything, I'm geeked for Hugh Grant being a Oompa Loompa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like the 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 top notch cast that they have in this to play parts, whether it's uh, Rowan Atkinson, uh, Olivia Coleman, you know what I'm saying? Just the different people in here. Dog. You you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be good when they go. Who can we get to be an Oompa Loompa? Who hasn't been an Oompa Loompa yet? <laughs> and, and you know they had a list. They were going down. They're like, uh, The Rock. Nah, he's down. He's down <laughs> on Hollywood right now. Maybe John Cena. Uh, maybe maybe it'd be fun if we brought Johnny Depp back and had him play an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, you know what? Who wouldn't you guess to be one? And somebody just went, well, Hugh Grant's kind of dry. Let's make him a Oompa Loompa and make him colorful so he can show a different side of himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it, it worked. That, that right there, seeing that him in the little jar sold me on this 110%. <laughs> I kind of figured they were just capitalizing on his success in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. That's right. That, that movie was, good, was another good movie. so good for it being for uh, i wish it came out at a different time yeah like, it, was it was a lot really better good. than i expected <laughs> uh what did you think about the wonka trailer did you get the opportunity to see it Stuart? i did uh i really like the way this trailer is shot uh like uh and uh like just kind of um it, it almost feels like a wes anderson in the sense that like there's like a lot mm. of shots where everything's so centered but it doesn't look like bad type of centered it looks like really good um and then yeah i think timothy chalamet's a really great actor uh it looks like he's very, he has a lot of charisma it doesn't really feel like if i have any nitpick i have to give to this uh is that it doesn't really feel like it, it can be connected to the uh willy wonka movie uh you know mm. the original only because like i feel like this movie kind of forgets that willy wonka was an asshole because he comes off as like super kind and caring in this and it's like remember in willy wonka when you know four people got hurt in his factory and he's just like okay let's move on <laughs> and it feels like they kind of forgot that about about his character so let's, um, let's see what made him an asshole though that, that's, that's the whole thing too. Why that's is what he an asshole 
like maybe that's what where they're going with this movie and if that's the case that's uh that's kind of cool also the chocolate cartel is probably one of the funniest <laughs> things i have ever heard so <laughs> that got me sold right there <laughs> yeah i think what got me sold on this was the idea that timothy chalamet just doesn't come across as like the creepy weirdo guy uh um, he doesn't I, I don't think he comes across as the creepy weirdo guy to me. Like when I look at the other iterations of Wonka, like Johnny Depp was just above and beyond. I was like, no, this is just I I don't even know if I can watch this movie. Like he just mm. gives me that creep factor. But there is there is a charm that Timothy Chalamet in here that I am fascinated in, especially when he's working opposite the the other girl in uh, in here as well. But like you, Stuart, I am kind of curious as to like where like how they get to that point and i i do think that they will definitely give um hints towards it maybe you know a big moment happens towards the climax that definitely gives him sort of a different perspective and who knows maybe they are hoping that this wonka movie is so good that they get another sequel to this movie that will then fill in those gaps before even get into the first original willy wonka and then we'll have our trilogy if you will maybe. um Maybe this is like the modern E.T. or something like that, where the original Oompa Loompa is like his best friend and he's trying to get him home or help him out. And maybe something happens to that that particular Oompa Loompa that he's close to. And that's why he employs the other Oompa Loompas in his factory. Mm. He did say that, like, uh, the Oompa Loompas lived in like a really like shitty kind of uh, area. So that's why he let them like stay in his factory. So I'm wondering if that will be like what plays in into the movie. Um, but I, I I did like the trailer. Um, the trailer definitely won me over. Uh, it looks like it's going to be a fun time. Uh, the aesthetics look great. I love how it's shot. Uh, definitely looks. I don't. When does this movie drop? It does say this Christmas. It feels like it's prepared to be like a holiday type of movie. They definitely have gone above and beyond. But um, I do think Timothy, Timothy Chalamet will do a great job for this film. Uh, we let's, also wind up. Go, Tim Tim. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we also got ourselves a brand new Blue Beetle trailer that wind up dropping. Probably the final trailer that we get before this movie winds up coming. The soundtrack on this movie is incredible. I absolutely love the soundtrack. Um, but we definitely get more visuals in here. They definitely hyped up the action for this movie for sure. We wind up getting ourselves more insight into um, visually, at least into the villain, the bad guy. Uh, I don't know whether or not this is like the main villain or not. But um, that and a lot of Reyes family. Uh, for sure. But um, this trailer definitely continues to win me over. Uh, if you guys haven't watched it, please go ahead and do so. It's a rather long trailer um, about coming in about three minutes. Let me ask you first, though, Stuart, too long of a trailer. Does it give too much away or do you think this is a um, good, happy medium? I it's a really long it's long for a trailer yes but I don't think it gets too much away I actually think like the only thing it really kind of gives away is a lot of the really cool action which the only thing that's going to kind of suck about that is then when you kind of see it on the big screen it's not going to be as exciting but in terms of plot I think that they do a good job of not giving too much away in in that area um but yeah overall man uh common writer Beetleborg looks pretty cool <laughs> what do you think Indy Common Rider Beelboard, Giver, the dark hero. <laughs> That's uh yeah. Um, everything's inspired off of something. I think the visuals in the trailer um look really good. This is the first time that the suit has looked good for me. You know, uh -huh. I guess because I got to see it more in movement and what was going on. Um, anything that George Lopez is in, I'm gonna watch. So it didn't matter if I wanted to see this movie or not. I support George Lopez and everything, whether it's bad or good. I even watched the freaking Chihuahua movie. 
Um, oh wow! Okay. That, uh, while, uh, <laughs> not, not, only, like not only watched the Chihuahua movie, watched it while eating Taco Bell just to support a <laughs> George Lopez. Um, so I, I'm I don't like like Stewart said. I don't think the trailer gave anything away. I think I think the trailer was more of hype to to hype it up. It might have been a bunch of B roll that didn't get used. Remember, there's a lot of trailers that come oh, out sure. there, especially superhero movies. You might not even see that in the movie. It's just to show you how things are going to work. Um. I like the fact of the reveal of the villain, you know what I'm saying? And how that was going to go to show who he's going to be up against. I really want it to be more of, which it probably will be. I was looking for the reach. I was looking for them just to go definitively be like, this is the reach, you know, and, and have that go. But I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the voice for the scarab throws me off a little bit. Um, Becky, Becky just, G? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I love Becky G. I don't like her as the voice of the scarab because I think I'm just used to that. And I don't want to get hate for this. That male sarcasticness, you know what I'm saying? In the scare, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Almost belittling him, you know, as as he's going through. Not the, the, the scare seems too accepting and helpful. And that's uh, in the animated series. The, the animated series the comic. Yeah, oh, okay. I, yeah, I'm just used to the you, you're you're not doing this right, Jaime. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, I'm taking over. Like I'm not used to. Oh, you have guns. This is how you use them. It just seems too much like Siri to me. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you there. Yeah, because no, I think okay. there's one gag that I just don't think it'll work as well with this voice. Uh, but it was like the gag in early, early in the comic books that the scarab did not like uh, Jaime Reyes's dad for like some particular reason. So it would just like act super like hostile towards him. And I think that would work with the voice that we get from Young Justice. I don't know if that gag would work right. as well with this like more AI sounding. I, I can't. I can't. Beg- threat perceived. Yeah. <laughs> She just she um, just sounds she just sounds nice like she doesn't even have the voice she had from Power Rangers. She seemed like a you know what I'm saying like a dick in Power Rangers that had an aggressive tone. I would have wanted more of that voice than what she's doing now. Like it just sounds like Siri to me. Well, maybe, maybe they have some moments together uh, yeah. where they actually talk and have some actual conversations a little bit further into the movie. We are just checking out trailers, so maybe there's a lot more to this movie than we haven't even had the opportunity to see yet. I don't. I personally don't think that it's spoiled too much. I mean, I do think it maybe showed a lot. Like there's, you know, the the Nana scene. I could probably would have loved to have seen that more in the movies than seen in the trailer. I think that would have been a great pop in the movie theaters, but I do think there's a lot of action in this particular trailer and a lot of like special effects and showcasing the suit. The suit looks fantastic. I think, you know, people have been really um, getting on movies cases lately with how bad some of the CGI has looked, but it feels like they definitely have been paying attention to that and really been working on it here in the movie. We'll see how the movie looks overall, but trailer-wise, uh, I, I do think that they have some really great shots in here. Uh, I think the villain costume looks fantastic, and I really love all the shots of uh, Jaime Reyes without the mask on, but still in his suit. Like I love that sequence of him running away from the fireball towards the end. Uh, I think that looks great, also. So um, I'm I'm excited to see what Jolo will do as Jaime Reyes. But um, yeah, that, I thought this Blue Beetle trailer certainly did its job for its final final one. Um, and then last trailer that we had this week, guys, Ahsoka. Uh, Ahsoka wind up dropping here. We got about a two minute trailer in here. Um, really. I almost feel, I don't, you know, Stuart, I was just about to say, I almost feel like this gives more, I don't want to say gives more away, but gives us more insight into the story than like what any Blue Beetle trailer has certainly given us. As I think we got some pretty interesting 
um, connections here with uh, Ahsoka and Sabine really um, highlighted in this particular trailer. The action looks incredible. We get our very first look at Thrawn, which a lot of people have been really anticipating in here. Um, even Hera's got a lot more lines as we see Eliz uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead um, uh, playing Hera in here also. Uh, it just really showcases how vast and wide this series is going to be. And it feels very much like a Star Wars Rebels series just now in live action. But um, I absolutely love this trailer. Def I was already hyped for this. I don't know if you could have gotten me any more hype, but this trailer certainly managed to do so. Um, let me start with you first, Indy, though, in regards to this. Um, have you checked out the trailer? And if so, what did you think? Yes, I checked out Star Wars Rebels Season 4. Um, do you still feel like that's um Ezra as yes. the um yeah yes yes I still feel like that's that it, to me it it makes no sense for it to be anybody else it can't the only person it feels like it could that it should be if it was somebody else was Anakin and it can't be Anakin like that that's already eliminated so to me it has to be Ezra no we're not talking about Miller um <laughs> But, uh, but you like the trailer overall, though? It did it for you? I, I, I liked it a lot, man. Like, I liked it a lot. And now I have a fetish for people cosplaying as Ahsoka for some reason. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have it before, but some reason after this trailer, you know what I'm saying? I had it. And I prefer to be 40-year-old women and older that do it. <laughs> I, I guess that's a, that's a kink now. Um I, it made me interested in seeing this. I've been burnt out on Star Wars content, on old Star Wars content, like like pre-Ray. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm ready for new stories. I'm ready to see mm -hmm. what the future holds for it. And this instantly, you know what I'm saying, locked me back into what's going on. Like, I need to know what happened with Ahsoka in order to be able to continue my Star Wars journey. So I, I'm happy for it. I'm looking forward to it. And, man, it, all the paint in the world can't do nothing to cover up that beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> what about you Stuart? what you thinking about this trailer man definitely agree with indy this uh trailer for rebel season five looks awesome uh <laughs> but uh but yeah like um i really love um the, the trailer does give a little bit away but we still don't know like the main like elements of like thrawn's plan overall why it, it took him this long uh you know to finally kind of reemerge, and uh we also don't know what happened to ezra yet and i'm glad that they're keeping all those things uh still a secret um i love the casting you know the more the more i'm looking at the you know in this trailer the more i'm just i'm seeing their uh i'm seeing how well they match with the characters from star wars uh rebels uh i even love how the mural painting it doesn't try to capture the uh, actors faces it tries to capture the look and style from star wars rebels which i thought was really cool because in a way you can now almost look at star wars rebels as like a story being told while looking at the um the mural basically of all the mm. characters together um so yeah no, no complaints from this trailer everything is great um i love the way thrawn looks uh you yeah, know uh, one one slight difference i kind of noticed from him in the trailer compared to in the animated show is that you can kind of it's very subtle but you can kind of see pupils in his eyes mm -hmm. uh instead of it being just glowing you All know red. straight red yeah but it still looks intimidating like he's still someone i wouldn't want to have a staring contest with um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh no. yeah 
everything about this looks cool. Uh, yeah. And then I also am really intrigued by our, uh, our two antagonists. One of them, uh, seemingly, uh, knows Anakin or knew Anakin back in the day. So I'm wondering if he was like a youngling when Anakin was a Jedi, or if he was just an older Jedi that just somehow survived, uh, order, uh, uh, six, Wow, 66 yeah i can't believe i forgot the numbers an easy number (laughs) if they uh if he was just a jedi that uh survived order 66 uh yeah great trailer yeah i am fascinated by the antagonists too here and balin and shin um especially with them having orange lightsabers um or at least it looks like a version of an orange lightsaber i i do think that there is something more to them i don't even know if they would necessarily consider themselves sith but who knows like they they, in the trailer he says you know i'm no jedi so maybe they got mistaken for jedi but clearly they're not jedi but i also wonder does that automatically mean that they're sith with different colored lightsabers or do they consider themselves something else like ahsoka probably does you know but just maybe a different version of that so i am what you say maybe a gray yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe something along Jedi. those lines for sure. They could definitely introduce that. Um, so I I would agree with you, Stuart. I am really fascinated by them. And I think for me, the really standout is the Ahsoka and Sabine connection. I am interested in the idea of seeing just how much training actually did take place. Um, is she force sensitive? I don't believe that they ever hinted at the idea that she was in the series. If I'm if I'm wrong, Stuart, please please let me know. But I think they've mentioned before, Kanan and even Dave Filoni has mentioned, like, everybody has the Force in them. Whether or not there's a capability of maybe tapping into it, I think, is another story. Um, So whether or not Sabine's at that point of being Force-sensitive, I don't know. But I do find it interesting that Sabine's calling Ahsoka Master in here, uh, talking about that she's walked away. It's just like, how much stuff are you going to walk away from, Ahsoka, right? Like, I, I am kind of curious if that's a challenge and that's something that she has to grow a, as a character into or just give us some insight as to why she, you know, she stepped away from Anakin and the Order. Why does she wind up stepping away from Sabine? Uh, and how far along in her training has she kind of come? But um, I, I I love this. This looks like it's going to be a great adventure here. And it definitely makes me want to go back and rewatch Star Wars Rebels just to kind of get ready and prepared for this. Because, uh, um, yeah, I, I think they're doing everything right. So I'm, I'm super excited for Ahsoka. Uh, that drops... August 23rd, ladies and gentlemen, August 23rd. So mark your calendars. Um, So, yeah, a lot of promoting here uh, as they try and uh, get as much um, promotional material out as they can before the strike. Uh, But we had four big trailers here this week, guys. Let us know in the comment section box below which trailer you appreciated the most. We definitely would love to know your thoughts on those in the comment section box below. Tell us what trailer it was and why it was Hills. (laughs) <laughs> oh, did they have a trailer that dropped this week too? Heels? The, the week week before. The week before, right? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I remember you talking about Heels and uh Twisted Metal drop on the same day. Hey, um, double duty, man. They're gonna have you yeah. busy. Um, all right, we got two more topics for you guys here before we get into live viewer questions today. Um, but let's go ahead and knock this one out. This comes to us from Empire Online or Empire Magazine Online. Um you know, James Gunn and the MCU are back in the news. 
Um, even though James Gunn himself is not going to be writing or directing for Marvel anytime soon, now that he's got his job as the co-CEO of DC Studios, uh, it doesn't mean that he potentially didn't get the opportunity to set things up uh, or at least drop some ideas that the MCU could eventually utilize later on down their phases. And one of those apparently is that James Gunn and Chris Pratt have had conversations and talks in the past about the potential idea for a legendary Star Lord MCU solo movie. Uh, I find this pretty interesting that they talked about this together uh, to the point to where the de- the amount of details that James Gunn kind of gives makes me wonder, like, have they sat down and actually written a storyboard for this or at least an outline to a script as to what this could potentially be? Um, but let's go ahead and dive into this, even though we're not seeing probably won't see another Guardians of the Galaxy movie from James Gunn. I do think that it opens up the idea that we could see at least some of these characters return in some way or another. Uh, this comes to us from EmpireOnline.com. Says James Gunn hints at Guardian spinoff featuring Star-Lord becoming a reality. Uh, it says, if you stuck around and why wouldn't you? It's a Marvel's film. You know how this works. For the end credit scene, uh, the end credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy 3, then you'll have seen the brief stinger featuring Chris Pratt's Queter Pill, a uh, Queter Peter Quill adapting to life uh, back on Earth, sharing breakfast with grandfather, played by Greg Henry. And then the title card, The Legendary Star-Lord Will Return. While that suggests uh, potential future outings for the character, James Gunn is suggesting it actually could happen. He says, yet while thoughts on the character's return might have turned towards him showing up in the next Avengers film or cameo, Uh, cameoing elsewhere gun and his director's commentary for the film hints that there's a chance for a star lord standalone he says uh we always want to give somebody a little something special and chris and i forever have talked about how great it would be to be able to do a legendary star lord movie a story with a story with star lord on earth trying to adapt to the environment on of earth If uh, in the same way that somebody else might try to adapt to the alien environment uh, of outer space, he's a fish out of water and just kind of uh, regular water. So I can't wait to see it is what James Gunn winds up saying. Um, So he seems very much like they have definitely given this a lot of thought. Um, But I can't lie. I'm always a big fan of a fish out of water uh, type of concept. While I do worry about the idea of James Gunn not being officially attached to write or direct it, uh, I personally do like the concept, and I do think if anybody can pull it off, Chris Pratt certainly can with just his personality and charisma for sure. Um, But let me throw this over to you first, um, Indy, in regards to um, uh, what you hear James Gunn saying. Do you think that this is a potential for actually happening? Uh, Or now that James Gunn is gone, um, do you expect the MCU to just be like, Fuck it. Let's just move on and do something different. Um, I definitely feel like that's potential happening. Uh, but I feel like I don't care about Star Lord. I feel like between this, I feel like the the trilogy of Guardians of the Galaxy was Star Lord's story, and I'm not interested in seeing what happens with him. You know, what I'm saying going into the future. There's too many other characters who. I feel backstories we haven't really went into who I'd be more interested in where they're going to go and what's going to happen that I'd rather follow them than, you know what I'm saying, deal something with with him. Although I love the character, I feel like it's time for him to go into bigger and better things. And a spinoff to me isn't the proper way to handle it. Um, 
I'd rather have them focus on somebody like Nova. You know what I'm saying? And start and start going into that and have it to where maybe Star-Lord appears. Like I it, it's time for him to step into the secondary role on uh what goes on and even if they want to have us do something with Groot, do something with Gamora. You know, it, it's other characters who are more interested in what they're doing than Star-Lord himself. I wonder if this is um something that would maybe set up perfectly as like a um a uh, special presentation on Disney Plus or something like that, um, instead of maybe necessarily a one-off for the Star Lord character. Um, but what do you think, um, Stuart? When you hear these words from James Gunn, do you think there's a potential of this um, happening? Uh, I was kind of agreeing with Indy uh, up until you made that last point of it being a special. So, like, I wouldn't really want to see a Star Lord solo movie that's like, um, you know, just him as the main focus on Earth. Because, like Indy said, it felt like his story was kind of complete. And to me, it's not that I don't want to see Star Lord again. It's just that I don't really think you need he needs to have his own movie. I think uh, it would just be cool to see him now as a secondary character, like he was in Avengers: Infinity War and uh, Endgame and. Thor or Ragnar or not Ragnarok, uh, Love and Thunder. Uh, I think that that's where I'd like to see him in the future. But um, I also think <clears throat> because there was an implication that they might be doing another uh, holiday special at the very end of the previous one, I think it would actually be perfect if they wanted to bring him back and maybe like the little bow on top of his story arc. If they just wanted to give us like a holiday special with him spending uh, Christmas with his new family, and then of course there's like some you know big threat going on that's uh, you know small enough to not be on the big screen, but big enough to ruin his Christmas. So I could see <laughs> I could see them playing with something like that and that working out. Um, I'm not worried with James Gunn no longer being involved because I feel like Chris Pratt's been playing this character since mm. 2014, so almost 10 years now. So I feel like he's got a good grasp on you know the character himself. I'm sure that like he knows exactly you know how a character would be in certain situations. So I feel like if if they get a writer that doesn't understand Guardians the same way James Gunn does, you still have Chris Pratt to kind of correct the writer you know when it when it's needed. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with uh, with both of your sentiments here for sure. Um, you know, I will say uh, James Gunn has been vocal about he personally, at least the way that he feels he's constructed this trilogy feels like this trilogy has been a, a very much a um, Rocket the Raccoon story uh, with his story kind of coming full circle in the the last, uh, the third the third installment here. But I think when you look overall at star lord's story i mean i do feel like it's kind of wrapped up you know the idea of him being taken from earth and you know he he wind up um you know got an opportunity to confront his dad and ego in the second one uh he's established himself as far as like part of the ravengers or at least just a a, a group that he's created around himself he's also gained a sister in mantis as well and now he's been able to return home at the end of guardians right it, it does seem like you have already wrapped up his story uh where do you kind of go from here if the idea of a story is literally just revolving around the idea of like just a fish out of water i just don't know if that if that equates to like we need a 150 million dollar budget for this movie you know i feel like this could easily be a one off sort of special if they definitely wanted to go that route or continue to use Chris Pratt, like you guys said, as, as cameos or secondary member to whether that be Avengers or another team. You know, I definitely 
do think that we'll see Guardians of the Galaxy again at some point in time. I don't know if it'll be like a Galaxy, Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy 4 or not, but I would be curious if um, if Starler would ever return to that team. Is he going to end up becoming an Avenger later on at some point in time? So I do expect to see him again, um, and I dig the idea. I just don't know if it warrants a full solo movie there's definitely a lot more characters i definitely would like to see um get that opportunity but uh, again i'm i'm personally not tired of chris pratt as star lord i want to see him back again for sure um uh, but yeah maybe just not as a full-fledged solo outing um but let me know your guys' thoughts um in the comment section box below how do you guys feel about the idea of um chris pratt potentially getting a star lord solo film is that something you guys want to see let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below and then last but not least, we got one last topic for you guys. Alita Army Unite as uh, Alita Battle Angel is back in the news. I uh, had the opportunity to see this movie in theaters. It definitely surprised me. Um, definitely raved about it after getting the opportunity to check it out. Always trying to push for people to go ahead and check out Alita Battle Angel if you haven't done so. But it's been years since we've gotten ourselves a um, any any idea of a potential sequel um alita based off of just its box office i think maybe barely broke even at the box office it was definitely one of those films that i think maybe didn't necessarily get all the marketing and promotion that it certainly deserved um so i don't think a lot of people went out to see it at the movie theaters but i do think word of mouth certainly helped it get to the point of merely maybe barely breaking even if you will but it um definitely has uh, wind up bringing out an entire army of supporters for the Alita character. Um, now, I do believe that there were talks of potentially maybe not only doing one sequel, but also maybe doing three sequels based, or I should say not only one sequel, but an additional sequel based off of the uh, amount of story that's certainly involved. Uh, but it's been kind of up in the air until this week. As uh, Screen Rant is, in fact, reporting to us that James Gunn has uh, not James Gunn, James Cameron. There's so many Jameses in Hollywood that uh, James Cameron has come out and mentioned the idea that, you know what? You, we might be working on something for you guys. We might be working on something. This comes to us from Screen Rant. Again, Alita Battle Angel 2 and 3 seemingly confirmed by James Cameron. So there's hope, ladies and gentlemen. Hope continues. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into this article here real quick. It says, uh, after years of uncertainty, producer James Cameron has seemingly confirmed the Alita Battle Angel 2 and a third film are actually moving forward. Uh, it says, now, however, in a recent interview with Forbes regarding why he chose to sell his California mansion, Cameron in his explanation seemingly reveals that multiple Alita Battle Angel sequels are happening. The producer doesn't reveal any details or timelines but development will presumably take place between his work on the three remaining Avatar films. Uh, he says, and on Avatar, I'm working in Wellington and Los Angeles. And on the new Alita Battle Angel films, plural, I'll be working in Austin. So it just doesn't make sense for us anymore in the sense of, I guess, maybe moving back and forth. It says earlier this year, Rodriguez revealed that Cameron had outlined general storylines for Alita Battle Angels 2 and 3. This followed several months worth of other smaller updates and reports in which stars and creative talent expressed their eagerness to return for an additional film. It is worth noting, though, that despite Cameron's promising comments, there have been no official announcements from Disney regarding uh, additional sequels as of yet. 
I does say one of the big reasons it's taken so long to get off the ground is because the first movie, despite making its money back in the box office, wasn't exactly a runaway hit at four hundred and five million dollars. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of people went and saw it at the movie theaters, but I do think those that certainly did see this film uh, certainly have big things to say about it. Um, for me personally, look, I'm, I'm here for it, man. Um, give it to me. Um, I like this. This seems promising to me. Uh, I think James Cameron is probably far enough along with his Avatar sequels. I don't want to say to let other people handle it, but I'm sure there's probably things behind the scenes that could probably get done without him having to be directly there and directly a part of it. Um, I do wonder also if James Cameron has come out with an outline for uh, for um, Alita 2 and 3, how involved is he going to be? You know, is he going to be just a, a writer, a, a co-writer? Is he actually going to get behind the camera himself and possibly do it? Um, you know, one of the things that I think James Cameron has mentioned in the past is one of the reasons he thinks maybe Alita didn't do too well is because Robert Rodriguez was behind the camera. I don't I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I would be interested to see if that's something that James Cameron would be trying to do in regards to directing one of these movies. Um, but regardless uh, I think we need more Alita Battle Angel in our lives, so this is definitely promising. Again, nothing confirmed or official from the studio itself, uh, but listen, if uh, James Cameron says he wants to do a movie, uh, I think after seeing uh, The Way of Water and the $2 billion uh, that that movie wind up making at the box office, hey, James, you want to make something? Go for it, man. We are not going to step in your way whatsoever. Um, so that's my uh, my level of excitement for this news. Um, what about you, Stuart? Um, you've heard this. Uh, what did you think of the first Alita movie? And uh, are you uh, are you excited for the potential for more sequels? Um, before before I get my thoughts, I I got to make sure I heard you correctly. Um, did he did he actually say it wasn't successful because he wasn't behind the camera because Robert Rodriguez was? I swear there was a comment out there. Like, I'm gonna look it up right now while oh. you talk. Go ahead. Okay, well, let me just first say that is one of the douchiest things you can say as a producer. So, like, wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I actually um really liked Alita Battle Angel. I kind of regret not seeing that movie in theaters because uh I didn't watch it until like you know 2020 when I had like nothing else to do. So I was like, you know, hey, I can't I can't work right now, so I might as well watch a bunch of uh, movies that I missed out on. Definitely regretted not seeing this movie in theaters. It was a lot of fun, really great, uh, you know, animation uh, all throughout the entire movie. Like the the VFX artist did such an amazing job. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it, it was just fun. Um, I would love to see that this world continue because, yeah, I feel like there's at least at the very least a trilogy's worth of uh, story to tell with this uh, franchise. Um, I'm looking for the quote, but I can't find the quote. So maybe I'm making shit up in my head, y'all. Um, I'll keep looking for this though, but maybe I, uh, maybe I'm incorrect on that comment, but I thought I swore I saw a comment like that, or maybe it was just somebody speculating something. So, uh, ixnay on what I mentioned there before. Um, what about you, Indy? How are you feeling about, um, uh, this, um, sequel potential? Um, I've always been a huge fan of the manga and, uh, OVA animator. We had to come out uh out for this so when it got so when the original movie came out i was very excited for it but i was also hesitant because of such adaptations like ghost in the shell um i feel like this totally put an end to the anime can't be adapted to live action you know what i'm saying talk and i feel like alita being so good is one of the reasons why we're getting one piece why we're getting you know what i'm saying why we're getting these other live actions that that are coming out 
uh i'm for this 110 um i love the actress that uh played in the title role and it's one of my favorite you know mangas to go back and read so um any alita news i can get um i'm for it but i'm in the same place marcelino is james cameron has a tendency to announce stuff before he even started you know <laughs> what i'm saying on it so i'm for alita the sequel in 10 years <laughs> yeah i mean it may i'm definitely not expecting this to be like uh anytime next week whatsoever so yeah you might oh you mean we're song. not getting a trailer tomorrow i was hoping for it man but yeah nah um and yeah you know what maybe i'm definitely am completely wrong on that comment because uh one of the things uh from variety magazine james cameron and robert rodriguez actually did an interview together and the article starts off the two men are old friends so i'm like okay well maybe yeah maybe i doubt he would throw him under the bus like it, it could have so. been a joke like him you know what i'm saying them being close and him making like a joke about it mm -hmm. type deal that but yeah possibly but i am kind of curious if the movie would have made more with james cameron behind the camera um but robert rodriguez is a big enough name for sure uh, and i think he did a marvelous job on the first one uh, and i wouldn't be more than excited to see him come back <laughs> <laughs> i saw that one <laughs> absolutely love it um but yeah guys let us know your thoughts if you're part of the alita army how pumped are you for the possibility of an alita sequel not just one but potentially two let us know your thoughts in the comments wait box. what is blade doing in the thing oh 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> those sunglasses on uh, yeah. an an another movie maybe that's the role that got him blade like I oh mean, he already has the costume just bring him in <laughs> just bring him in yeah uh yeah he was pretty good in that movie um but yeah guys let us know your thoughts on the potential alita battle angel film that cast um, in that movie is very underrated like very underrated very good movie i absolutely love the cast for sure um all right Stuart, i think you know what time it is sir it is time for live viewer questions 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 and you could join us for live viewer questions anytime throughout the week, guys. Uh, feel free to go ahead and always submit your questions over. Um, usually, I'll try and drop them anytime after Thursday for you guys. Um, let me go ahead and pull this up. So if you want to go ahead and ever um, drop a question our way, just go over to our main page, which is our YouTube page, as you see right here. Click on that uh, community tab. Uh, and again, we got ourselves a live viewer question post for you guys. Uh, it looks like we only have ourselves six questions here today. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get those and knock those out for you guys as quickly as we can. Uh, Jessica Friedman, which season of Power Rangers you feel should get more attention from fans? And do you think Cartoon Network could reboot Teen Titans one day? Um, Indy, do you think they could uh, Cartoon Network could reboot Teen Titans one day or no? They did. It's called Young Justice. <laughs> I mean, I guess they did, right? Uh, well, um, well te technically, they didn't. I don't. I wouldn't want Teen Titans rebooted. I just want season four of Young Justice. Is it season four? Maybe season three. I just want the next season of Young Justice. Um, and I, I got my Teen Titans fix on the cameos they made in Teen Titans Go. I, I feel <laughs> like that series, that story, wrapped up well enough for me. They didn't need to continue it. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like what, what they did, Young Justice is taking and taking to the next level. I gotcha. Um, and Stuart, um, let me get you the first half of this question. Which season of Power Rangers do you feel should get more attention from fans? Um, 
Mystic Force. Mystic Force is okay. Actually, Mystic Force. I'll go with that one just because even though it's like not my favorite season, it's definitely one of the most creative, and it's one that like not a lot of people talk about too much. Even though I feel like there's a lot of creativity in that one. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, AJ or Dino Knights, uh, he he had a huge essay about it either last week or the week before, um, bringing attention and awareness to um, Power Rangers Mystic Force. Yeah. Um, Peg C, what are your thoughts on Fran Drescher's fiery speech against Hollywood studios saying actors unions and studios fail to avert a strike, calling them disgusting uh, for claiming they'll lose money left and right when given hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs? Uh, yeah, we definitely talked about that at the top of the show. Uh, if you guys missed it, we had writer and producer James Bathia Jr. on, um, who's a part of the WGA, uh, along with SAG as well, uh, in regards to everything that's going on. Really great interview, if you ask me, and really uh, insightful stuff. So um, check out the first half of the show if you'd like to, but because we've already talked about it. but And we also played some of Fran's comments. I think that was only like two minutes, but she gave like a five to six minute speech. Uh, in regards to it, that just even got me more hyped and more pissed off as to what's going on in Hollywood. Uh, that makes me want to back these guys uh, that much more. Um, but, um, you know, look, I, I do find it disgusting, you know. But uh, again, it's this is this is also, again, not just a problem for writers and actors. Right. I think what Fran is trying to express is that this is taking place all over the world here, or at least at least here in our country, for sure. Um, that we've got corporations, um, you know, that are just making hands over fist and money to where they don't even want to give you all the optics and the metrics to kind of show how they're making all this money and the viewership that's warranted on these shows. And yet they're making all this money from this stuff. And yet they don't want to give other people the proper cut. Uh, and to me, that's just extremely disgusting that you can make all this money. David Zaslav making like 200 something million dollars a year. And again, I'm sure that's not even just even if that's just their base salary, I'm sure that they're probably making hands over fists other money from other things that they that they're working on as well. Uh, and so the fact that you can't just give up two percent of that hell, five percent of that uh, and just be. And just still live the lavish uh, and privileged life that you do um, and just being that much of a tightwad with your money, that that's to me is just reprehensible. Uh, and the fact that it's other people's work that got you to that point that you don't want to recognize and help the little people out. It's just it's capitalism at its worst, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of it at all. Yeah, uh, fully 100 percent agree. Um, Pexy, do you think people will still attend conventions even though fans will not be able to see their favorite actors and actresses due to the writer's strike? Ooh. What do you guys think is going to happen with the um, San Diego Comic-Con? Is there any potential of them canceling it outright? No, I, they're, they're not going to cancel it outright because, um, you know, it's not just about meeting other actors. There's like other things that kind of go on uh, with it. But that being said, there are a lot of people that buy tickets from Comic-Con with the hope of upselling them, basically, and mm. because Comic-Con tickets are impossible to get. I'm actually kind of happy this is the first year they're going to get screwed over majorly because that's not going to work <laughs> for them anymore because now Comic-Con tickets are not going to be worth what they paid for. Um, and it also that's means true. that I think if you need to get your – if you actually do want to go to Comic-Con now, might be the best year for you because you might be able to get it from a third party at a reasonable price now. 
I've always wanted to go to a San Diego Comic-Con, and I've never had the opportunity to do so. So one year, I will definitely try to. I think my friend Michael is actually getting the opportunity to go this year. Um, so I'll be interested to see like what he reports on, just how everything's going at San Diego Comic-Con and how empty it's going to be. But well, uh, what do you think, Stuart? I mean, Indy? Well, you know what? Um, there was a thing that Comic-Con was before it turned into the specter it was. And I think it's going to get back to being about comic, comic book? books and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. So um, to me, for me, this would be the time to go because the people that need to get the, you know, some direction, the illustrators, the writers, stuff like that, they need to be able to uh, get the attention or actually going to get the attention because we're not running. Oh, my God, Stephen Amell is in Hall H. And then people are taking off, you know what I'm saying, to, oh, yeah. to go to go see that or go see what's going on. And the the people that need the attention to show their talent and stuff are always overlooked. So maybe we can get back to what it's supposed to be instead of what it became when they decided to take it over and hijack, you know what I'm saying, the Comic-Con and turn it into something different. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's so funny because I, you know, I went to uh, Fan Expo Dallas back in May or June. I think it might have been June last sometime last month. But you know, they got a huge hall, you know, showroom floor you can walk on and things like that. Uh, and there's like three vendors in the whole place. That's comic books, you know. Just like out of all the vendors that you could possibly have there, not five, not ten. I'm like, it is a comic book convention, isn't it? But it's very much turned into like an entertainment convention now. Um, and so the comic book vendors, unfortunately, it's now getting extremely costly for them to even be at these conventions, which is sad. Uh, and when they are there, there's really not that many of them. So there's literally I was just going between like three to four different vendors trying to find some comic books there. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, I wish there was I wish there was more comic book vendors for sure. But you're right. Uh, indeed, this might be a great opportunity for uh, it to be focused back on what it originally used to be. Um. Let's see here. Blossom, I'll come back to yours here in a second, Marcelino. Blossom, uh, remember when Mabushina's mom's spirit was inside her old crown, talking about the, was it uh, Kira Major series? Uh, thought about having a ruler before her be inside it instead, uh, since she's alive as my counterpart, Queen Opal. I love that name, Queen Opal. What's a theme for Super Sentai do you think Toei should try? I'd like them to do art supplies as a theme or toys or maybe monsters. I think monster sounds pretty good. Is there um do you guys have any suggestions for Super Sentai on what themes they should probably go for going forward? Uh oh, did you have one? Actors. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all actors? They're all actors. Oh, and okay. They they're all they're all actors and like they they don't they don't know like they're superheroes because they're actors. It's like that to me that's the 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 best disguise ever. You know what I'm saying for a secret identity, uh type type thing. And then I like like the leader could be a person that's playing an actor on a superhero TV show about Super Sentai, except he's really, you know what I'm saying, a Super Sentai. <laughs> he's really Super Sentai. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, they had that's um great. one of the I think it was the Kara Major Blue. I think he was an actor um he did a lot of all his own fight scenes i think he was a stunt man too um so that was actually kind of fun to kind of see that but i I, I would dig that if like all of them were so that's a cool theme you got one Stuart? uh yeah it would 
it would probably would never work because it'd be t- way too expensive to get the the right the license for uh, these characters. But kind of like how you know with the dinosaur themed ones and the animal themed ones are all based on a different animal or dinosaur. I think it'd be fun to do that with uh, uh, kaiju's. So you have uh, one who's like a Godzilla ranger, one who so so it's like you know it's a regular like Sentai outfit, but the patterns are that of Godzilla. So maybe there's even like uh, spikes on the back of the costume. Um, you got one that's like Ghidorah one that's Mothra uh, I think that'd be kind of a fun thing to uh, play with but uh, again it would probably be too much for licensing out those characters so I don't see it happening I, I, I can afford it uh, I, I, I don't even want that as Sentai bring that here here right yeah that's actually <laughs> just make that dope. straight up Power Rangers <laughs> yeah. yeah that sounds pretty dope to me um, the most talented man alive uh, he's got a couple questions uh, remember when in Beast Morphers Evox was revealed to be Vengex from RPM since he was played by the same actor. Uh, do you think, do you still see it as one of the best twists in the franchise? And does this make Beast Morphers as one of the best seasons compared to the entire Neo Saban era? Some people felt like it wasn't that good because RPM was serious while Beast Morphers was too childish. And do you prefer Dr. K and Colonel Truman's cameos better than Jason and the Dino Charge team's appearances? I will say I do Enjoy Dr. K and Colonel Truman's more, um, just to say that out of the way. And I personally do find Beast Morphers as one of the better seasons in the entire Neo Saban era, personally. But how do you guys feel about the idea of the reveal? Do you feel like it's one of the best twists in the franchise, or do you think we've seen better? I was blown away by this. Uh and I like the I like the uh, build up to it. It didn't seem like something that came out of nowhere. It's like they had referenced RPM quite a few times uh, in the season. So I think that when you finally got the reveal, it actually like just totally uh, worked. Plus, they even show that this is a season that connects to other seasons in the past. Uh, so I thought it was a great twist. And yeah, I would agree that this is definitely one of the better seasons of the neo saban era even though this is technically the first hasbro era season um you know comparing it to the other ones i'd say the only one that i like kind of more is dino charge and that's really only the first season unlike dino charge i think beast morphers actually got better whereas dino charge lost its uh momentum i just think dino charge started stronger than beast morphers but it ended way weaker I, I I would I definitely agree with you there because um, there was an aspect of Dino Charge I was a really big fan of absolutely loved season one, uh, but yeah I definitely tailed off uh, towards the end for sure. Mm-mm. I'm gonna sound I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna sound like an oldie like a stuck up old person yo for me it's in go space on. get off it's your lawn <laughs> yeah it's it's in space it's the whole Andros Andromeda connection and mm. and what happened to that to me was like one of the biggest twists. You know, and that that was just that that whole in space season to me is highly, highly underrated for being one of the um, best seasons of Power Rangers. I mean, I feel like a lot of people put that up there as like their numbers one or two um, seasons. Um, So I do think I definitely do think it definitely gets the recognition it certainly deserves. But I would agree with you. I think if there's any twist, I'm talking about in the hood, Adam. Oh, in the hood. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Streets. (laughs) Okay, not Twitter world. I get you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I get you. Um, he also says um, he does ask also about the ongoing strike, uh, especially um, how it will affect movies and TV shows that have yet to come out, especially films that are about to be released. He says, example, do you think DC's Blue Beetle film will be affected at the box office or is it safe to be released? This may may not may not make sense. But on top of the DC being such a tarnished brand these days, could this movie even be financially 
successful. Um, you know, this does feel very much like worst timing possible uh, to kind of release this movie, especially with promotions about to stop for it. Um, the box office itself in general, even before getting the Blue Beetle, has just not been very friendly to um, movies lately. Um, so, you know, there's a part of me that wants to be hopeful and say, I do think that there's going to be a large gathering and people are going to go out and support Jaime Reyes. I think there's a lot of opposing forces uh, it has against it that it's going to have to overcome to be successful. I hope I, I hope it proves everybody wrong and it is, but I'm, I'm not hopeful. I'm not hopeful that it will at the box office. Am I, am I tripping? You guys think it'll, I don't, it'll blast past that and I don't, I don't beat expectations. I don't think people are. I think people expected too much uh, to start off with. Um, uh, Jaime Reyes is a popular character within the fandom. You know what I'm saying? Within the geekdom, he he's not somebody that um, people outside of uh, the spectrum actually. You know what I'm saying? Know who he is? He's not a big house name. So I think what you're gonna get, you're gonna get the base of what you were gonna get anyway. One because Zylo's. Uh, a very likable, you know what I'm saying, person, and people want to see him succeed. I think a lot of the following that's coming to watch this movie is actually following him over from, you know what I'm saying, Cobra Kai, uh, <laughs> along with um, the fans you have of the Blue Beetle character to start off with. Um, I think that people are thinking about this the wrong way. When this movie comes out, I think there's going to be nothing else to see. A lot of shows are... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Season already over. A lot of show season getting pushed back because of filming. A lot of movies getting pushed back. So it actually might help it increase a little bit in, in my hopes because what else is they going to be able to do other than go see Blue Beetle? You know what I'm saying? Because there's yeah. not going to be a lot, you know, uh, a lot else going on. So I, I, I'm i honestly thinking you're going to see an uptick um, in the box office rather than, you know what I'm saying, a downtick because there's nothing on television right now. And most of the stuff on Netflix is boo boo. Yeah, I guess it depends on like I don't I don't know what else is releasing around it, but yeah, I mean if it's like the only movie that's out there in the box office worth seeing, and it doesn't have to worry about other films cannibalizing themselves, um, maybe there is potential here. What do you think, Stuart? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I do. Um, crap. What what day again does Blue Beetle get released? Is it is it next month? I believe it's. August, but I could be wrong. Because be release date, like August eighteenth. Okay, because yeah, I feel like if they waited just a couple more months, this movie would actually do a little bit better. Because pretty soon, there's not going to be a lot of blockbusters uh, to watch. So, like the big budget movies uh, are going to be like kind of fading from theaters. And I think that would have been a good time to release it. But unfortunately, I think this is coming out the same month. We have a few other big movies coming out, uh, so it may not do great. I don't think it's going to do as bad as The Flash, especially because this movie didn't have a budget anywhere near as big as The Flash. So it just literally if it has the flash's numbers it'll look good um basically mm. uh if it has a little more than the flash's numbers it'll look even better um because again this wasn't an expensive movie to produce so well it doesn't need to sell that much to uh, make back its uh, money so i'm not super worried about this movie's success as uh, other people are i think it's going to do just fine um if nothing else it's not going to do like groundbreaking numbers but i do think it's going going to be you know moderately successful uh and there's uh, yeah there's definitely hope there because uh the budget is 120 million dollars right now according to them um 
Um, nothing compared to like $295 million of that of an Indiana Jones movie or 200 plus for flash. So they definitely have given themselves some room, uh, for being successful here. So yeah, you, I I might be proven wrong. This movie, I might really might do financially, um, pretty well. So we'll, we'll see Uh, what happens come August. Let's see the, the biggest movies you have coming out in August, um, equalizer three. Uh, Ninja Turtles. Oh, when's that come out? Uh, the Ninja Turtles, I believe, is afterwards. Okay. Um, Meg Two, and the Passenger. So it really doesn't have that yeah, much competition. Same. And I feel like the same people that are going to go see, you know, what I'm saying the new Ninja Turtle movie, are the same people are going to be saying, you know, what I'm saying Blue Beetle. So um, double feature theaters would be a smart thing to do with those two movies. Um. So I I don't think it has that much, you know what I'm saying, competition because I think the 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 real big hitters don't hit until what September and October. Well, mm-hmm. the two real big hitters uh, are coming next week, um, Barbie and Oppenheimer, because yes. at, at our theater those are both sold out. Like holy crap, people are double featuring these movies, and uh, that yeah, those are going to do huge. <laughs> yeah, I got my Oppenheimer ticket already uh, for IMAX seventy millimeter. Uh, oh, nice. So I am yeah, I am looking forward to seeing that, and um, I got to figure out a a date night for the girlfriend and I to go check out Barbie. But yeah, yeah, I still think those are like two different fan bases. Maybe Barbie, you know what I'm saying? What had a different, the same fan base, but uh, nobody's taking a kid to go see Oppenheimer. You know <laughs> no, what I'm saying? So like um I've I heard really it's like f- a horror movie. Yeah, I really feel like uh Ninja Turtles and Blue Beetle should do very well, especially with the budgets that they had. Um, yeah, and I think the budgets will definitely help them out for sure. Uh we did have uh Dino Knights here, but um he's got like a whole book. Um Jeez Louise, bro. That he's written on uh <laughs> once and always. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm not gonna go through all that Dino Knight, unfortunately. I don't mind uh a paragraph, um, but that that's a little longest run on paragraph I've seen in a long time. Um, Bro, that's 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 a that's a one page essay. That's a one page essay. Um, so if you can, you know, shrink that down for next week, possibly, then maybe uh we'll go ahead and go over it. But yeah, because uh, I, I still want to get to one more question here, Dino Knight. It, it does look like it's just his uh, overall thoughts on once and always uh, watching it 50 times, 50 times. Uh, and giving it a hundred out of a hundred. Yeah, I will gladiator. say that. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoyed the, uh, it's definitely the best anniversary that we've had. And it's one that uh, I've seen. I think I've seen it three times and I do plan on seeing it a fourth time uh, next time I'm with my siblings. Cause they still haven't seen it and they grew up on uh, mighty Morphin. Money so, definitely look forward to watching it with them. Question: What is fridging? We'll, oh, we'll get to, we'll, well, yeah, we'll definitely get to that. But if you want to give him the uh, definition or something like that, so it kind of comes from Green Lantern when uh, Green Lantern found his wife uh, chopped up in his refrigerator, um, and it basically kind of comes down to characters whose only purpose is to die so that another character can have character development. Yeah, like pushing the main character forward, type of thing, right? Yeah, um, and the main I, character didn't care. No, go ahead, go ahead. We'll get, we'll get, then we'll I guess that's not that. fridging. That's just killing off <laughs> a character said, with no point. <laughs> Marcelino's question. One of his questions is, "What are some of the worst examples of fridging you've ever seen on TV or film?" Um, oh, Tara from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I it wasn't when I was thinking of fridging. 
the first thing that came to mind for me not only was the Kyle Reiner Green Lantern. I know he says TV and film, but I also think of Sue Dibney from um, yeah. uh, it was the Inf- Infinity Crisis, mm-hmm. um, the elong- elongated man's uh, wife being killed. Uh, uh, I kind of very much look at that as uh, a plot device of killing somebody off in order to move that character's plot forward or something like that. Um, Yamcha, Krillin, Hitachi. <laughs> <Well>, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is Frigian usually referred to as like death of women, though, Stuart? Like usually. a fe- female character's death? Uh, well, usually that's where, where it kind of started, but now I feel like it's the term's been used so much that I feel like now it's okay to use it for guys as well. Well, we'll, we'll get that. That mm. if y'all want to, y'all want to see how I feel about that, watch watch Sunday dinner tonight. I'm not gonna make those comments on here. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, fridging in TV or like a female character or a character that's like sole purpose was just to be there to be killed off. So then when he does bring up a question like maria hill's death in um secret invasion uh does that feel like fridging to you or no in no. the context of secret invasion yes in the context of the overall mcu MC- no i get you i don't i don't think he's been developed plenty i feel yeah, like i think yeah. that's the issue i don't think when you're watching secret invasion you could take it as the scope of just that series that because series. secret invasion is the influx as with the reveal that we had with uh Rhodey of what's happened through the entire MCU. So I, I don't think that's it. And if you think about it, it's not just character development of uh Nick Fury, but Gravic pulling that trigger, you know what I'm saying? Knowing as Nick Fury, knowing what it was gonna do, it wasn't just the setup for character development. That was that that was his out just in case Fury came from trying to say his scroll. Oh no, they'll think that you did this. Like it was it was a plan to that for the bad guy, not just to have character development and a good guy. It was all part of his plan in order to cover his tracks up in order to keep Fury down. So uh now if it was Fury's wife, the scroll that was brought in and died, you know what I'm saying, just just for character development because we're just being introduced to her on screen i feel that would have been fridging but i think they did it on purpose not for her to be killed not to have them kill each other just for that purpose they you know what i'm saying they let her live so i i think i can see where people might say if they haven't experienced uh maria hill's development not through the mc through the entire mcu ages of shield through all the marvel movies and stuff she was in you know what I'm saying? Everything like that, the video games, the comics and stuff that 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 character was specifically in. Uh, I can understand how you would seem it that way. But no, nah, there, there's there's a bigger thing going on uh, when it comes to that. If I had to make a suggestion and I am curious to know your guys' thoughts, because this character came to mind. And then when I thought about it, I kept thinking to myself, well, I don't know if it was to push the plot forward so much, but maybe maybe it was. But I think of John Wick. I was just going to say that in the Mm -hmm. sense that we get introduced to his wife very much in like flashbacks and moments. We know she dies kind of off screen, but we see that she dies and John Wick is moved by that. But it's really the gift of the puppy, the killing of the, the dog, right? That's all connected to his wife that really kind of gets him out of bed and really pushes him to exact revenge. So there's a part of me that's like, 
I kind of view the wife or maybe the dog as fritching <laughs> yeah. in that sense. Um, well, we can was it a female dog? To. That I don't I don't no know. No idea. I, mean, I have no idea, no. but yeah. Okay. But but I was just thinking of John Wick's wife and, and the dog from the movie yes. in the sense of it just it based off of that alone. Yes. Or what was the movie Vin Diesel was in where his wife died? Got killed. Which one? Or whatever. <laughs> um the one where uh what? No. Um no, was it Vin? It was Vin Diesel, wasn't it? Well, he caught the dude in the in the attic, and he was like, "Your reflex is too slow." When he was talking to the dude, I don't remember. Put, they push a metroton. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Real quick, push a metroton. Maybe that wasn't Vin Diesel. I can't remember. Yeah, bro. I can't remember. But um, I would say John Wick then, if um, if if. Uh, but I would be curious to see if Marcelino even considers that fridging or not. Um, and then his last portion of the question here, and this will be our last question for the day. Um, when promoting her upcoming film, Gal Gadot expressed her thoughts on the recent Indiana film, Indiana Jones film. This is the quote. It says, I wanted to show a great story about a female character who is doing it in the action genre. Right? She's thriving. But at the same time, how many times have they just switched genders? Um, they take a story that is all about the men uh, and they just change it to a woman and then they go shoot it. To me, it was so important in the DNA to make, I guess, her upcoming movie, Heart of Stone, a little different because men and women are different. They're built differently. They operate differently. And that's the quote. Um, the question goes on to say, many people have now been praising Gal Gadot for fighting back against the woke Hollywood uh, and how female action heroes are depicted. They say that their problems are that Hollywood has been making female action heroines act like if they're men. Strong, brave, and resolute, but without any of the intrinsic qualities that make women women. They also are tired of seeing rail-thin actresses beat up men twice their size. Um, they've even used Sigourney Weaver's character from when she saved the day multiple times in the Alien franchise. Um, it says, you never forgot that she was a woman during, the, um, during Aliens. Uh, the character's maternal instincts made the 1986 film one of the best sequels in female history. And he also gives us a, a link to the the article itself here. Um, so let's dive into this a little bit. I'm gonna. Well, have, I, I do want to let, let I, real quick before you start though, Stuart. I do want to bring up. Um, I do want to bring up this article because I want to okay. see what this article is stating. Um, you guys mind if I do that real quick? Go for it. So the article that he links us to. So let's let's look at the quote in general and see what what they're talking about here. So this comes to us from this website, Hollywood in, to in Toto, the right take on entertainment. Okay. So that immediately makes me think, all right, we, we dealing with like a right wing um, article here. Um, Gal Gadot blast gender swapping action heroines. And let's see what she's actually talking about. First off, cause I've, I've, I've looked at this article ahead of time already, but first off the very first sentence that comes out of this person's mouth, if Kathleen Kennedy has her way, Phoebe Waller-Jones, Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be cracking Indy's whip sooner rather than later. Uh, they just can't help themselves. Uh, they got to they gotta bring Kathleen Kennedy's name into it. The Disney executive teased the new Indiana Jones adventure starring the Fleabag alumni who emasculates Harrison Ford's character in the fifth film uh, out June 30th. So mind you, this person is claiming that Phoebe Waller-Bridge emasculates Harrison Ford's character out June 30th when he wrote this article three weeks ago. So before the movie even came out, he's already making assumptions about what Indiana Jones is about. It's what the movie geeks feared since they got their first glimpse 
of Indiana Jones, another gen swapped icon in the grand woke tradition, is what he says. Now one of Hollywood's biggest stars is speaking out about the gender swapping action heroines, and she might have to fend off the woke mob as a result. It says, considering the fact that she's played Wonder Woman in multiple films, she's also got her hands dirty in Fast and the Furious film, and now she's doing her upcoming streaming film, Heart of Stone. It says the actress told Total Film that while she loves being an action star, she prefers playing original characters than recycling existing IPs. That's kind of a way of saying she'd rather not watch Waller Bridge take a franchise baton from Ford. I don't think that's what she's saying at all, but let's see what she says. And again, I just read that quote to you. I wanted to show a great story about female characters who is doing it in the action genre, right? She is thriving, but at the same time, how many times have they just switched genders? Uh, They take a story that's all about men and they change it to a woman and then go shoot it. To me, it was so important in the DNA to make Heart of Stone a little bit different because men and women are different. They're built differently. And he says, she's right, but it's a lesson Hollywood keeps ignoring. Too many female action heroines act as if they're men. Brave, strong, resolute, but without any of the intrinsic qualities that make women, women. And it says, and we're even told the next James Bond must be a woman. Um, And then he brings up the Sigourney Weaver character, yada, yada, yada. Any thoughts, guys? Any thoughts? This dude's an uh, idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I um sorry. <laughs> no, I mean I I'm kidding. I mean, look, I oh go ahead. Go ahead. If anybody wants to speak first. I'm 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 gonna be honest with you. It's stupid because uh we've been in this world where women can a lot of women can do anything that a man can do. Um I want him to stand in the octagon with Ronda Rousey or somebody like that and then you know what I'm saying? Tell them that they can't be strong and you know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that they can't play the same role, you know what I'm saying? As James Bond because of their, uh, fem- uh, because they're female. Um, uh, I would, it, it, it just, th- this doesn't, for some reason, like the whole time you're reading the article, mm-hmm. like I'm getting mad. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, 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 like, I, I feel like almost like he tricked, Gal Gadot into you know what I'm saying sideways agreeing with him you know because of her portrayal of her movie like I understand what she's trying to do in the movie she wants to make a, a action role movie or a movie where somebody where, where the woman is more feminine and and makes decisions as a woman would but I'm sorry a lot of these movies where actually the woman in if they're trained from from some time to ignore their you know what I'm saying that and to be the action hero it, it would seem weird to me for them to make a feminine choice. Like, oh, there's a baby cat. Let me stop, save it, rehome it for $40. You know what I'm saying? And go get it shot. It, it just doesn't make any, you know what I'm saying, sense to me. Can I Can I just say one thing? Yeah. You know, you mentioned the idea that he, you know, tricked Gal Gadot into answering this way. Let me just point out real quick. When you look at the article, so it says, um, it says the actress told Total Film that she loves being an action star. And then the guy suggests that's kind of a way of saying that she's rather not watch Waller Bridge take the franchise baton. So let's look at, again, because I always say, follow the source. If this guy got his information of what Gal Gadot was saying about Indiana Jones uh, from Total Film, let's follow the source, okay? So I'm going to pull up the actual article in which she sat down to do the interview, okay? 
So this is from MovieWeb. Heart of Stone star Gal Gadot rallies against Hollywood's obsession for gender swapping male characters. So let me see if I can pull it in. Speaking with Total Film ahead of the action release, Gadot addresses the way Hollywood is constantly taking male movie characters and gender swapping them without uh, thinking about how characters should be played differently um, beyond just their gender. She said of Heart and Stone, there's nothing in this article or this quote that states the fact that she's got a problem with what Phoebe Waller-Bridge is doing at all. He's literally taking her comments about her character, how it's played in The Heart of Stone. And nowhere in this movie web article do they ask her the question, hey, by the way, Phoebe Waller-Bridge in the new Indiana Jones, how do you feel about that? She, she doesn't even address that. So this gentleman is literally taking a quote that she's talking about in regards to her character from Heart of Stone, and he's placing it on top of his own insecurities about the idea of gender swapping and utilizing it to go ahead and shut down this idea and notion of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's to get you, if you thought you were mad, look, God, this, it, it pissed me off just seeing how they twist people's words. I'm, I'm sorry, mm. Stuart, because I, I know you have something to say. I know he's got, I got a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But th but this, this, this has me, one, I'm upset by by what he was saying two i'm upset because i don't think he knows the definition of what gender swap is yeah uh they, they did not take indiana jones and turn indiana jones into a female character and then it's still indiana jones no this is a totally new character that's developing into something that is being co-signed by indiana jones it's not like where we have some comic book characters that come, you know what I'm saying, come to the screen and we go, oh, this character was male. We're going to make a female similar to uh, like uh, Captain Marvel. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the, the characters in there that we had that were male and they turned female to, you know what I'm saying, push the, the story along. along. That, that's gender swap. The, 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 what, what he's talking about isn't gender swap. There being a female 007 isn't gender swap 007 is uh insignia it's a standard there's been plenty 007s it's just that you reach the rank of 007 like i don't understand people like this that are just upset when they're sitting at home on their fat butts out of shape complaining that a woman who is out working them is getting you know what i'm saying these these type of roles or these capabilities get your fat butt up and go do it yourself if you don't want a woman to take your place you see them you you see what I'm saying? Like if, if she's outworking you, there's something wrong with you that that they're take that she's taking the roles that they're standing up. Women make majority of this world, so they 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 deserve to have some type of representation for themselves, just like people minorities should have representation in them. If you ask me, women are who are majority of this world are in the the worst minority ever. When, when it's looked at and how they do, because they, they looked at like this, like they can't do this, they can't do that. A woman can't play this role. A woman can't, no, they can do everything we can do and more until you can sit in a freaking hospital and push a human being out your body, you know what I'm saying, for hours on time and deal with that pain and that struggle. I don't want to hear nothing you could say because every man will sit in that same position and fold and can't handle it. I do want to take yep. those, um, those, uh, those uh cramp tests or those like what do they call no you don't test oh, i want to try no, it you like, don't. i want to like try it guys yeah no you don't no you don't 
No, you don't. I made I made it to I made it to level three and it changed my life. Like I, like, I think I think that's what I want to totally see. Hilarious. Like I want to see. No. What, I want to see the there, level I can there, get to. There is there is no pain, yo. There is no pain like that <laughs> in, in the world. And no, you don't. And that that's why that's why when you look at a woman and their femininity and 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 the woman body and everything like that, um, to me they will always be stronger than what a man will be because they can handle that you know what i'm saying and, and a man can't so it's like c- come on bro grow, grow up he's looking for clickbait you know what i'm saying he wants people to click i, I hate people who do this you, that's not newsworthy you're not a journalist go sit down and shut the fuck up period <laughs> yeah what about you Stuart? he very passionate from indie but i'm curious to know your thoughts also i'm with indie everything now that about you've seen this how this plays out yeah, I'm with Indy. Everything about this article uh, pisses me off, uh, you know, and I, I think like uh, the biggest thing that I've been hearing a lot when it comes to like arguments is, uh, oh, why are women always being written like uh, men characters, that kind of thing. And it's just like, OK, I just I really hate like how much we keep trying to push like, oh, if it's a woman character, they have to act like this. If it's a man character, they have to act like this. Everyone is fucking different. All right. It doesn't matter like your gender, your uh, your ethnicity, nothing. Ma- everyone is an individual person and is different. So trying to say that a character shouldn't be a certain way because they are a woman or a man, I freaking hate that argument so much but as for the article itself when they're trying to say that they're sick of all the uh, gender swapping and they use indiana jones of all movies as the example did they not see the fucking movie there was nothing to indicate that this is a you know full-on passing the torch movie yes the trailers kind of made me think that's what they were doing but when they when you watch the movie itself you know in, in the previous Indiana Jones movie, you had a scene where Shia LaBeouf almost put on the hat Sorry. and Indiana Jones stops him and says, not yet. All right. This character, um, I totally forgot her name in the movie. Uh, Helena Shaw. Helena. She doesn't even get that. All right. There is nothing <laughs> that she says in this movie to imply that she wants to, you know, take up the mantle of Indiana Jones. If she does get her spinoff movie, which I'm sure, you know, will happen because uh, she, it looked like she had a lot of fun playing this character. And I could definitely see her character continue to grow in future installments. I don't see her, you know, donning the whip in the hat, you know, maybe just the whip. But I don't see her stealing the Indiana Jones look and just being Indiana Jones, but woman. No, I see her doing her her own thing in the Indiana Jones franchise or in that universe. If, um, if yeah. I'm a woman in that universe, score whip. Give me a gun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How many times has India brought a, Indiana Jones brought a whip to a gunfight gun and it didn't work out? <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I think like I'm I'm on board with both of you. Everything about this article is so stupid. Um, it's basically just him hearing what he wants to hear rather than what actually people are saying, especially the way he just completely twisted Cal Gadot's words and just you know tried to act like, oh, see, she. He's also against woke uh, Hollywood. Like, where did you get that? Because nothing in that article suggested like she was trying to even acknowledge woke Hollywood or anything like that. <laughs> nothing in any in any interview or anything that she has had has suggested that in any of the Wonder Woman interviews, or anything like that has ever suggested anything like that. I mean, women can't play women can't play these roles and, and still be, you know, what I'm saying feminism at the same time or do, underworld underworld evolution. Tomb Raider. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you want a, a one-to-one Tomb Raider Indiana Jones, like, you know what I'm saying? Come on. The, 
Tomb, the Tomb which, Raider franchise you, might do it a little better. Yeah, and which, mind you, Phoebe <laughs> Waller-Bridge is now going to be at least the showrunner for a Tomb Raider uh, series right. over on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so this is just adding to all that experience for her. Um, and look, you know, Gal Gadot may have issues with the idea of gender swapping characters, but they're definitely she's definitely not referring to the Indiana Jones movie or James Bond. It's not like the next James Bond is like Jam- Jamila Bond. You know, or Jamie Bond. Like, no, it's going to be a new 007. Somebody that has that moniker but is not a James James Bond. Same thing with um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character. Her, she's got a she's got a name, guys. It's Helena Shaw. Her name's not Indiana no. Jones. She's Indiana Jones's goddaughter, right? So she's not coming in to be like, oh, call me Indiana Jones. No, that's not that's not what's happening. It, it makes all the sense in the world, bro. It does that somebody who's in his family. You know what I'm saying? Would would pick up the baton or pick up the mantle and what's going on? It's good. It's it's easy storytelling. Yeah, absolutely yeah. easy storytelling. And Harrison Ford has mentioned, look, when there's no, there's not going to be any more Indiana Jones without me. Um, Kathleen Kennedy has come out and said that they have no plans on doing more Indiana Jones movies without Harrison Ford. Um, I think they had a Indiana Jones. Um, TV series in production, but I think that might have gotten pushed to the side. Um, so I don't really know how they're going to be filling that void, but I highly doubt it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge as Indiana Jones now all of a sudden. Um, and so, yeah, I, I totally agree with you guys. It's, um, you know, I, I get the idea, though, of maybe what Gal Gadot is saying in the sense that maybe you have written a script that has all male, like, concepts in it. And then you think to yourself, oh, you know what? This should actually be a female. I actually read somewhere that, um, and maybe I I could be wrong on this, but I thought I read somewhere that originally, um, I don't want to say George Lucas's script for Star Wars was was female because I don't think that's the case. I think it was, in fact, male all along. But um, regardless, I'm sure there probably are some instances in Hollywood where a movie has been written to be led by a male. And then they've just decided, you know, hey, we're just going to throw a female in there, but then not change any of the other qualities that maybe come with her later down the road. That is Bro. not the same thing as gender swapping action heroines, though, unfortunately. Bro, and if dude. anything, and if anything, let me just say this real quick. The fact alone, okay, and I think what boiled my blood more than anything is the fact that when we go in here and it says – too many female actual heroines act as if they're men. Strong, brave, and resolute. Like a woman can't be any of those things. Fuck you, bro. Fuck you. That right. is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. And then he wants to use Ellen Ellen Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, as you never forget she was a woman, though, especially during Aliens. The character's maternal instincts made the 1986 film one of the best sequels and you think her maternal instincts made that movie great what about what about alien you know the first movie where she literally single-handedly handled all these but he wants to go to maternal instincts guys that's what defines you as a woman your maternal instincts you can't be strong brave and red it is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life and shame on him for using somebody else's quote to get, try and get his point across when that certainly wasn't the case. Um, he must it's just, hate it's Dr. Who. He, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just makes me, makes my blood boil, man, that we have people out there. And, and the problem is too, is that they have such a voice 
right? This guy made this article before the movie even came out, before he even saw it. And you don't think people read this article and thought to themselves, fuck going to see Indiana Jones. I don't want to see that movie instead of letting the movie speak for itself. It's a shame, bro. It's a shame. It's disgusting. Look, I, I didn't even see the trailers or nothing like that. And I was like, fuck going to see Indiana Jones. Like, if I would have read his article, he would have made me go see it just to spite him. <laughs> <Just despite him. laughs> <laughs> uh, great question, Marceline. I'm glad you brought that to our attention. But I think, again, it just it goes to show, one, follow the source. If somebody is saying, hey, this person's quoting this and they have a link to the source, follow the source to see exactly what they're talking about. Uh, and some of this stuff is just disgusting, honestly, um, just the mindset that some people have. But, um, you know, we're all equals, man. And if anybody tells you anything differently, you know, they deserve a good slap across the face. <laughs> but anyway, um, but thank you guys for um, sharing that with me and getting hearing your thoughts on it. Uh, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Bro, what's but, his um, name? I'm finna blast him on Twitter. I don't remember. I gotta pull up the article. If you want to find the article, no, I don't. Him. I don't even want to click on the article. Like I don't even want to give him the benefit of the doubt to give him another view. I feel you. I feel you. I just wanted to prove a point, though. That's all. Um. All right. But other than that, guys, that will do it for our show today. Uh, I just wanted to wrap up on that one. I thought that he. I think he had that question last week, and then I think it was just me. I don't remember if it was just me solo or not. So, but um, uh, he Zena, War- Zena Warrior Princess. I mean, come on, man. Like, all, all these wonderful action heroine TV shows and movies are starting to pop in my head. And, like, it's just making me dislike him more. <laughs> it, is, so. um, it is funny because <laughs> I'm going to just assume that this dude probably doesn't like Captain Marvel. And I would say that Captain Marvel has a lot more feminine uh, traits than uh, than uh, Ridley Scott. for, Or, not Ridley, wow, that's, sorry, that's the director. Than um, the main character from Alien. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, yeah. it's just what it what it just kind of comes down to is like I think a lot of times these are written by you know people that just miss the movies of you know the good old days, and so they can't figure out like an actual good like complaint about why they don't like uh, modern movies. They just know that they don't like them, so they stick to the word woke because it's the easiest word you can right. use to but critique a movie because you don't have to actually think of a real think critique. You just have to say woke. That's why it sucks. Yeah, yeah critical but, thinking but, has been is gone on these days but a movie like a movie like a league of their own won't even be in his top 20 that's a great film absolutely great film <laughs> i don't think i've seen that one. Oh, check it out tom, tom to hanks that. a league of their own yeah a league of their own is so okay. good are you a baseball guy or not really uh not really but uh i'll still Probably watch one. a baseball movie i love i love sports movies uh in general even if it's, it's a sports they got there's a cast in that movie too yeah okay yeah yeah um but uh other than that, guys, I think that will wrap it up for us here. Um, um, most talented man in the world. We did get your question, um, just so you know. Um, it was the question just before last, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so definitely check out the live viewer questions portion. But that will do it for us. And I apologize, guys, that we ran a little bit long today, but we had some amazing topics, some great points of view uh, that we wanted to share with you guys today. And you can certainly expect us back next Sunday for another live episode of A Plus Secure Report. Indy, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you, sir? Uh, don't find me on social media right now. Go find James Worthy, James with a Y, J-A-Y-M-E-S, Worthy. He has amazing caps and shirts, uh, locally owned. Um, just go check it out. Do you have any um, music coming out? Any uh, uh, um, performances? Oh, yeah. August 5th, uh, Hobart, Indiana at the Hobart Art Theater Underground Music Fest uh, 3. I think it's 3. 
might be four, three. Um, come check it out. It's a it's a cast of characters that are gonna be there. Um, and yes, we'll be doing Blood and Guts Wednesday. So I'm, I'm I'm down with that. Um, since awesome. I'm off for change, yeah. But you guys should know by now where to find me. It doesn't matter if you can't find me on my social media because you can find me right here at A Plus Opinions. Uh, and he just dropped the episode four review for Secret Invasion on the channel. So go ahead and check it out as well. Stuart, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you, sir? You guys, oh, my, my thing is gone. Uh, you guys can find me at TurboStew01 over on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, and he also just dropped two new reviews, uh, Strange New Worlds uh, from Star Trek Episode 4. Mm-hmm. Or uh, uh, episode, uh, episode five. five, yeah. Episode five dropped, and he also dropped my adventures with Superman episode three for you guys um, this week. So yes. definitely go ahead and check it out as well. Uh, and if you want to follow us on social media, right up here at A Plus Opinions, very active over on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, which is our main hub. That's where we post all of our news and articles, posters, and trailers throughout the week for you guys to stay up to date with. If you want to follow us on the new social media app, Threads, you can certainly do so as well at a plus opinions um so thank you very much for doing that um other than that guys i think that's going to wrap it up for us here today but um other than that we'll see you guys next week uh next sunday but in the meantime do us a big favor as always take care of yourselves take care of each other and keep it a plus we'll talk to you guys later bye <laughs>